Thursday, June the 15th, 2023. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of That's What G Said Podcast. Lots of ground to cover today. We'll check in and uh, congratulate the Denver Nuggets on winning the NBA title in just a moment. And then we take a little look into baseball and see what's been happening over the last few weeks to a month or so. Lots of horse racing. Friday, Santa Anita, best bets. It's actually closing weekend at Santa Anita. So we'll talk some Friday. And then Saturday, Santa Anita, there's a million dollar pick six bonus if you're the single winning ticket. Then Sunday, they have a the mandatory payouts and everything. So we have Friday and Saturday, Santa Anita for you here. Then on Saturday, Belmont Park, we'll talk about their late pick four. They have a graded stakes race in there. Monmouth Park, it's a big day. It's Haskell Preview Day. They have four stakes races, three graded stakes, and all stakes pick four. Then we'll get you Saturday, Sunday, Monday, best bets from Louisiana Downs. We finish up with this week in wrestling with Chad Cooper. And we kick it off with NBA. How about the Nuggets? So impressive. They beat the Heat 4-1 in the NBA Finals. And uh, Nikola Jokic. How incredible was he? He was the first player ever to lead the playoffs in points, rebounds, and assists. Just incredible. But as much as he carried the team and he's the best player, he's no doubt the best player in the league right now. A lot of Jamal Murray. I mean, Murray was incredible. He averaged 10 assists in the in the finals. 21.4 points and 10 assists to go along with his 6.2 rebounds. Just incredible numbers from Murray. And overall, their team didn't shoot quite as well. Like KCP and Porter Jr. struggled a little bit shooting in this series. But KCP still played hard on defense. And they got a little bit more from... Brown and Green than they did against the Lakers. This was a really deserving Nuggets team. And before I continue talking more about the Nuggets, I want to give a little love to the Heat for being an eight seed that was minutes away from being knocked out in the play-in. They lost their first play-in game. They almost lost back-to-back play-in games. Then they go on the road three different times. They beat the Bucks, who were favored to win it all. They beat the Knicks, and then they beat the Celtics, who were the next favorite to win it all. Well coached, not the most talented. Guys stepped up in big moments, but they just ran out of gas. In this series, Caleb Martin, Max Strews, Gabe Vincent didn't give what they were able to give in other series. And honestly, overall, Jimmy Butler averaging just over 21.5 points, that wasn't enough. They only shot Miami, did 40% from the field as a team, and only 34% from three. So it just They just weren't shooting all that well. They weren't playing nearly as well as they played against Boston. And they needed to against this Denver team. To be honest, like I said, Denver didn't play their best series in the finals. Their, stu- their studs, their stars just carried them. So now, Jokic, NBA Finals MVP. 28 points, 16 rebounds, 4 assists to close it out. So he's now won a championship, a finals MVP, and two regular season MVPs back-to-back. He probably should have been three-time MVP. But this year, at the end of the year, he didn't play a lot of the games when Denver was the number one seed and basically had it clinched. And look how fresh Denver was for the, the playoff run here. Going through a couple of these articles, he's the lowest drafted player, 41st overall in the second round. 
to win the finals MVP. Only the third second round pick to win finals MVP. He joins Giannis, Dirk, Tony Parker, Tim Duncan, and Hakeem. The only players born overseas to take home the finals MVP. And he he was averaging a triple-double for most of the playoffs until the finals. He had 10 triple-doubles, 8 of them during a 12-game stretch. Games where he had 53 points and 11 rebounds. Games where he had 30 points, 20 rebounds, and 10 assists. Unbelievable. And they all are showering him with praise. LeBron, Durant, Towns, Edwards, all the, the guys who he beat along the way. Booker, Jimmy Butler. 29 triple-doubles in the regular season. And if you go through some of his other numbers, first player in NBA history to lead all players in points, rebounds, and assists in a single postseason. Second player to average 25 points, 10 rebounds, and 5 assists in 4 series. Third player to average 30, 10 10 rebounds, 9 assists in a single postseason. Westbrook and Oscar Robertson, the only others. He won the franchise's first two MVPs and its first finals MVP. He's on the list with centers to earn multiple MVPs and a finals MVP. Kareem, Wilt, Moses, Malone, and, and him. Just phenomenal stuff. As a fan of the Lakers, they were the opponent of the Lakers, the team that beat the Lakers. I have nothing but respect and uh, positive things to say about the the Nuggets, Jokic, Murray, all those guys. They just were better. They hit all the big shots when they had to. The Lakers played well in some of those games and Denver just played better. This was their year. They were deserving. Most triple doubles in a single postseason for Jokic. Just unbelievable. First NBA championship in their 47-year franchise history. Murray and Jokic, the first tandem to average 25 points, 5 rebounds, and 5 assists during the, the playoff run. They mit- they were 5 of 28 from 3. They were down by 10 at half. And they just they just keep wearing you down because Jokic doesn't do I I, mean, I was listening to this from a few different p- places too. It's not like this is something I'm I'm coming up with, but when you watch him it's like he doesn't m- do anything wrong throughout an entire game. Every play, it's like he makes the right pass, he makes the right read, he takes the right shot at the right time. It doesn't always go in, but he never makes the wrong decision, almost ever. And you see the best players, Steph Curry has, turns the ball over a ton, LeBron turns it over a ton, really good players. They'll get into hot stretches, they take a bad shot here, they make a wrong move here, they try to do a little too much. He just never does that. There is really no hyperbole for him right now. But he's been this good of a player without the supporting cast, and they didn't win. He needed Murray to be healthy. He needed Porter Jr. to play well throughout all of his playoffs, and he struggled in the finals a little bit. KCP, Gordon, Brown, all of those pieces together fit. They gave them a better defense. They gave them some versatility. Well-built team, well-coached team, well-led team. The Nuggets are the world champions.
let's take a little move on over to baseball. Before we do, I want to mention, uh, if you're a fan of daily fantasy, if you like to wager on props, check out thrivefantasy.com. Download the app. Use the promo code G-I-N-O when you deposit. Anything from $25 to $250 will give you a match deposit bonus. You can actually wager legally on props in the state of California, in the state of Texas, in other states. If you combine more than one prop and you put them into a parlay, comes off like a contest when you put a couple props together and they actually give you better value on those props. Check out thrivefantasy.com. Okay, baseball. I'm going to do a little quick look, or, uh, look around the league and uh, we look to the American League East Tampa up top and the American League East is a good division when Boston is just one game under 500 and they're the worst team in the division Tampa's been basically the best team in baseball since the incredible start to the year they've won seven of their last 10 but the Orioles continue to play really good baseball too and they hang tough they're 43 and 25 they're five games back the Yankees are behind them the Yankees are nine games over 500 but they're nine and a half back of the Rays and the Blue Jays are 38 and 32. It's not as if they're having a bad season, but they're 11 games out of first place right now. Boston brings up the rear in the American League East. And then you have sort of the, the flip side in the American League Central. There's only one team over 500 there with the Twins. Everybody else is under 500. And the Royals are now the worst team in baseball, statistically, based on percentage points. For a while, we were all making fun of uh, Oakland, but they had a six-game winning streak, and all of a sudden, the Royals have a worse record than them. Tigers have been bad. White Sox, they just beat the Dodgers tonight, but they're not good. And Cleveland had a nice little stretch, but they've lost a couple games in a row now, and they're five games under five hundred. You get to the American League West, and the Rangers have been one of the biggest surprise teams all season. They're 42 and 25. They're, they have a plus 145 run differential. Now, the question will be can they sustain this when they don't have Jacob deGrom? He's going to go uh, second Tommy John surgery. They're going to need Valdi, Dane Dunning to continue to pitch really, really well. But the Rangers are one of the best teams in baseball. They're. Four games up in the loss column on the Astros. The Angels, 38 and 32. They're five and a half games behind the Rangers. Seattle, just around 500. They're one game under right now. And then the A's, who have been struggling, looks like they're going to move to Vegas. 19 and 52. They did win six games in a row, but they have a minus 196 run differential, a negative 196. Over in the National League. The East has a couple disappointing teams. You know, the Braves are, are playing well. They're probably the best team in the National League. They're 42 and 26. And they have a four and a half game lead on the Marlins. Phillies right around 500 after a three game winning streak. They've won eight of their last 10. But the Mets and, and Nationals struggle. Mets are four games under 500. The Nationals are 26 and 40. American League Central and the National League Central, similar. In the National League Central, you only have one team over 500. That's the Pittsburgh Pirates, who are, again, a very surprising 
division leader at this point, 34 and 32, with the Brewers and the Reds just behind them. So three teams in the Central separated by just two games in the loss column. Reds playing well. They've won five in a row. The Brewers have lost six in a row. Cardinals 27 and 42 are the worst team in the National League. And then another one of the big surprise teams out west is the Arizona Diamondbacks. Even though they've lost three in a row, they still have a two and a half game lead over the Dodgers. Giants have won four in a row. They're playing well. And and now the Padres have won seven of ten. But the Padres are a game under 500, and they're seven games behind the Diamondbacks. The Diamondbacks are 41 and 28. But for the Dodgers, they're eight games over 500. They're 38 and 30. They have the second worst bullpen in the league. And it's only started recently for the Dodgers, and a lot of it has to do with their depth. They're asking a little bit too much of their bullpen now because their starters have all been hurt. May, Arias, injured. Cindergaard's been miserable. So you have three starters not there now. And they are going to need to make a couple big moves because they just need some arms. What they're throwing out there right now is not, it's just not good enough. The bullpen's terrible. It's the worst in the National League. But offense is still good. They're still able to carry them to win some games, but there are major flaws on this team right now. It's not as if the National League is tough or overwhelming. Who, like, who really terrifies you? Would the Diamondbacks scare the heck out of you in a series? Not really. The Braves would. That's about it. So the Dodgers can make a move or two and be you know, still right there at the top of the National League, but they do need to make a move or two because they're in a little bit of trouble right now with, with the arms that they're throwing out. So look at baseball on Thursday, June the 15th. We'll keep checking in. Uh, every week or so and uh, and see what's going on, any, any news stories, any movement, any trades starting to happen. Let's make the move on over to horse racing. We have so much to talk about Friday, Saturday, Sunday, even a little Monday racing, all coming now. Horse racing fans, many of us have been using the DRF, the daily racing form, for years, studying the races, keeping up to date on news with all the articles. I remember looking for a copy at the local liquor store or picking one up at the local racetrack, wherever I was going. Now it's even easier and cheaper than ever to use DRF with DRF.com and the newly optimized DRF Mobile. You can get all the tracks that you want to bet and handicap. Past performances that are mobile optimized for on-the-go handicapping on your phone. So you go to drf.com from your mobile device, no additional cost. Tap the calendar icon on the top left. It opens all of the options for past performances and for the tools that are available. One click to bet now and DRF bets. Get real-time odds and scratches on race day. You can tap on any horse And you get those same DRF past performances that you're familiar with with a larger font for your mobile display. 
one click to formulator for charts for replays if you get the formulator version and even on the classic past performances you get the home screen with horses with odds with buyers you get a lifetime buyer speed figure graph you can rotate your phone for the best view and any horse that you click on you'll see the running lines you can easily move from horse to horse the same data as those traditional classic DRF past performances you get an interactive format which is very similar to the DRF classic version that you're used to on the desktop every card includes live data updated instantly with those scratches and so you get the accessibility from desktop to phone cross device functionality you can take your notes and save them from one device to the next and then access your account on any of your devices on the go handicapping and wagering Multiple formats to view. You got the overview page with recent speed figures, current day's odds, easy access to expert selections and analysis. You got the buyer speed figure graph with lifetime buyer speed figures and chart notes for every horse. And you got those traditional DRF pass performances that are just newly optimized for your mobile phones. They are constantly upgrading, improving, and making everything easier for you to get your handicapping done at DRF.com. Better. You want to spread your pony knowledge Download the Stable Duel app and play today. Join us every Friday morning, 10 o'clock a.m. Eastern Time on social media on Twitter at Stable Duel. Or if you follow me, it's me, Gino B. We have a free live stream that previews Fridays and Saturdays races and all the contests for Stable Duel. We'll each give out a few best bets for some of those games. Myself, Barry Spears, and Matt DeSantis every Friday morning, 10 o'clock a.m. Eastern Time on Twitter. Or if you follow me and subscribe to YouTube, you can also catch that there. We dive into the horse racing portion now. We're going to go Friday, Santa Anita. Then we'll get into a, a bunch of different Saturday tracks. Some of the t- Sometimes when I record these, I'll record the segments on StreamYard. And that way I can show past performances and I can sort, sort of so, show the visual way I handicap. So if you ever want to watch, you can f- go check it out on Twitter. It's me, Gino B., on the Santa Anita Friday, I did record it that way in a couple of the other ones. So if it ever sounds like I'm kind of talking through a replay or maybe sounds a little different, it won't hurt you at all. The, you'll still be able to get all the, the same relevant information, but you can check out a little extra if you want and, and you're uh, someone who likes to get the visual as well. Just three days remain at Santa Anita this meet and uh, it's closing weekend. So not many opportunities. Let's take a look at daily racing form, past performances, and dive into Friday at Santa Anita. Keep in mind right now, DRF has an incredible promotion, a deposit match, and a $10 free bet when you sign up for a DRF Bets account and you use the promo code WINNING. Take a look at all these specific details here. You get a $10 free bet right when you register. If you deposit $250, they will give you an exact $250 deposit match bonus you'll have 510 bucks in the account and you'll be able to have 10 free formulator pass performances 
Check out all the specifics right here. This is uh, right at the front of drf.com, and that's where we are going to head so we can talk about some Friday Santa Anita races. Let's dive right on in to race number one. Now, these are the formulator past performances that I'm taking a look at. I, I enjoy these myself when I'm handicapping because they give you the opportunity to look at race replays. You can click on trainer statistics. You can look at the race charts. You can also look at pedigree information. It's all right here. Um, a, a database of all the statistics you could possibly need, everything you want with the formulator past performances. So let's navigate our way through the card. Uh, in the opener, a horse that kind of jumped out to me I thought was a little bit interesting was Keen Lady. Capestro has two runners in here uh, right next door to each other, the two and the three. And I expect the three to be much more forwardly placed coming out of a sprint race going seven furlongs at Keeneland last time out. And they claim this horse and go right back to the turf. And he has two. she has two winning turf siblings, which you could take a look at here when you click on the dam. And you can see that the dam... Tried the turf, only raced once on the turf, and that was in a stakes race. And you see County Final pop up, who was actually a horse who won multiple times on the turf and actually was in some stakes races on the grass. You can see Perp was a multiple turf winner. And then here's Keen Lady, the only other uh, sibling was Harper Go Lucky, who tried the turf once that has been to the races so far. So I'm feeling like turf will be positive for this filly. She was a good second, her only time on the turf and let's just look at her overall body of work she really hasn't done a whole lot wrong in her debut she was behind the next out winner sprinting on the dirt then she came back she ran second in her first start on the grass she was off from july to september shows up in september speed tires a little bit finishes fourth then she drops in class and she runs well back-to-back races she breaks her maiden she wins again and then in her first start off a couple of months she was involved she was pressing the lead and she faded i think she's intriguing in here valdivia jr is very very solid on the grass when it comes to turf jockeys overall the three horse if you're playing some early exotics she has some speed but she can also sit off if she needs to and it looks like in this field she might be the quickest i think Right next door, Awesome Taylor has a little bit of speed. It wouldn't be surprising to see, you know, Ice Queen forwardly placed and even to the outside, Summer Daisy. But I think the the three keen ladies going to be right in the mix early. Eight to one on the morning line. I had her pegged more like a five to one shot or so in this field. So I think she offers you some pretty nice value there. Let's move to race number three. Say five and a half furlong turf sprint. And... I think there's one horse that really fits the five and a half well, and that's the number three turn on the Jets. If you look at his form since coming to the U.S., he's raced here five times, and both times that he went six and a half and was going down the hill, it was a little too far. He showed speed. He couldn't really sit. The other two races at five furlongs, he sat nicely behind horses, looked like an absolute pro. I think five is just his trip, and that's the that is the same distance where he was able to break his maiden when his first start in Dundalk on a synthetic surface going five. I just think five, five and a half is perfect for him. There's a big difference between five and five and a half furlongs in sprint races. And then what six and six and a half present turn on the jets sits nicely just behind. I think the way the race shapes up kind of looking at it, the seven burning turf is quick to the outside with the blinks. 
The one see through it draws the rail. I think he has to go. And Noble Reflection is very, very fast. Those three should be pushing it. And I'd love to see Turn on the Jets right behind them. Turn on the Jets, a horse, so I could kind of single and maybe key in on in the early pick five and some early exotics. Let's move to race number four. We're going to see the return of American Theorem. Super talented, multiple graded stakes winner. He has not raced since the Breeders' Cup sprint last year. These are the types of horses who I think you want to try to take a shot against. He's likely trying to get a race under his belt so he can have a, you know, a good account of himself down at Del Mar at the, in the prep races they have, the sprint races, the Bing Crosby and the Pat O'Brien. He could be ready to run in both of those races with a good effort here. So I'm going to try to beat him in this race. Now to the outside, you have a horse like Kid Corleone. He's also a horse who we have not seen race in a while. He has not raced since October. I think it's worth trying to beat him in here as well. So my whole angle with this race is I'm looking for a horse who has some recent form who I think may be able to be just a little fitter and get the trip versus American Theorem and Kid Corleone who might be the better horses down the line. And it brings me to the number two, Escape Route. Here's why I land on Escape Route. He has some very, very good races last year that would absolutely beat this group. And even if American Theorem and Kid Corleone showed up with good efforts, he would be really competitive with them based on some of his races last year. Now, this year, his figures have been a tad lower, but I actually think he's been in some kind of underrated spots. So his February 5th race, while it didn't come back to grade all that high on the buyer scale, Hopkins, the winner of that race, is a graded stakes winner and went over and was in the Dubai Golden Shaheen. The third place finisher of that race, Straight No Chaser, came back and crushed in the Pimlico at Pimlico in the Maryland Sprint. Look at his last two races. He's earned 101 and 107 buyer speed figures in winning those. I think this race was just stronger than it might have looked on paper. And, you know, it's maybe then the figures may have come back. So following the Palace Verdes, he goes over to Turf Paradise and runs in the Phoenix Gold Cup. He was kind of involved in the race and then just sort of packed it in late. And then May the 7th, I actually I thought it was a pretty good effort. We can watch the race here. Again, a little low on complete the line. We know he can get to races good enough to compete with this. Does he have any of those races left? The ones from last year. So he's the number three in the race that we're watching. Good start. He's like right with the leaders. And then he just takes back a little bit and he sits down inside, lets the others to the outside go. What I, I think may have hurt him a bit is he didn't quite take back enough right here. He was sort of still down towards the inside, and um, and as things develop, kind of puts him in a bad spot. So he's kind of traveling well, and he's going to have to alter course. But this is a strong race he's in. The winner, Lovesick Blues, actually comes back next time out, finishes second, beating the neck in the grade three Daytona. And here's escape route, just sitting behind horses, right? Just waiting, waiting for room. Doesn't have anywhere to go right now. Can't really get through down on the inside because it's tight. So now watch the three. He's going to have to shift off the rail, trying to look for somewhere to go. And, you know, when you do that and you just give up ground, now he's in between horses, kind of battling it out. And 
just can't quite hit that hole. Now he really has to shift to the outside and you see escape route, stretch the legs a little bit. I just think if your approach in this race is thinking that American theorem and kid Corleone may need a race for their better efforts. I sort of feel like this is a horse escape route who has good enough races last year. Who's trending back in a positive direction. He might be fit enough now and he has enough little punch where he can pass some horses late. I'm going to give him a, a look in here. The number two escape route. We keep rolling along. Uh, the fifth race, nothing really to discuss because I thought the three was going to be tough. A uh, heavy favorite, unjokable, just missed last time out. Tossed the turf race, second start at Santa Anita, second start at the dirt. Like really the only one in here with proven sprint speed, her and the outside horse, and she hasn't been showing it recently. And she lost to a horse named Mimi Kakushi, who's actually in the, uh, the UAE uh, he was your UAE Oaks winner and was the horse who ran in the Kentucky Oaks. Sixth race. I couldn't really get too creative in this one either. I just, I felt like the, the two court snot is going to run well in here. She had legitimate trouble last time out, like really unlucky shifting around the number six true Patriot. She gets herself into some trouble because she's more of a late runner, but she fits pretty well at this, in this group with this spot. She got completely stopped moving up the rail last time out and the race has come back live. And then you have Harper's Gallup who gets back to the turf. Um, she'll probably be more forwardly placed in here. She had a tough trip too. She had a fine start, but then they lined up on the lead. She was three deep. She was just behind. And then she got shuffled back a little bit. All of a sudden she like lost a bunch of positioning and then she just packs it in. But I I think she's going to run better in here. So yeah, nothing really creative for me. I just sort of thought the, the, the major players, the shorter prices would, would probably be pretty tough. In the seventh race, we keep rolling along. This is a really challenging betting race. You can make cases for many and cases against. Honestly, starting with the five, the music we make. I know this barn doesn't start a whole lot of first-time starters and doesn't win with a whole lot of them, but the dam was named Moore Calbred. She was a two-time winner. And she has produced some pretty nice horses like Warren's Vanita, who is a grade one winner, who is an eight time winner, multiple graded stakes winner, or 932,000, one on dirt, turf, and synthetic. You see uh, five of the seven siblings uh, of the foals that she's produced that are siblings to the music we make have won. So it's a solid little pedigree here for the music we make. Just never easy in the huge field like this first time out of the box. The seven strange addiction you could absolutely make a case for off that solid debut with the blinkers coming on diamonds dancing doesn't need to improve a whole lot coming off of the the Zia form last year. Big Pond is a very intriguing first time starter for Timmy Actine. The dam of this one is a two time winner and she's produced two siblings. One of them won. You just got to feel like Big Pond can run. Also, with some very fast works in the morning, work and flirt, got squeezed back just after the start, and the 11 completely missed the break and came flying late. Both of these two, the outside two, were really impressive in their last start. They just need to get out of the gate a little bit. So, really cool race, a lot of directions to go. Big pond and the, the uh, three outside horses definitely in the mix for me, and I'll probably even throw a, a little on the on the, the five here and there. As we move to race number eight, a couple to keep an eye on in this one. You have Anna Glassa, who's dropping in class. 
and she's the horse to catch and beat. There's not that much early speed in here. So I I could see her just on the drop getting aggressive in here. Now, the one who's a little intriguing to me is the seven peppermint flirt. You know, she seems like she's rounding back into form. She's coming off of one of her better efforts. She improved a little bit. She finished third in a similar spot. She's kind of about four lengths off fifth. I feel like she's going to run better in here. Uh, I'm going to throw her in some of my late pick fours and pick fives. The 10 is probably my top selection. Travel smart. The The concern is that she just, she gets herself into trouble a lot. But she's due for some luck. I mean, all of her comment lines you can see if you go and watch all of these races. She has legitimate trouble in most of them. Hernandez keeps the faith, kind of jumps back aboard today after being aboard this one a few times. She's in the mix for me everywhere. 10-7-6-1. Probably combos of horses I would use all over the place. The one slam Diego is going to get a trip. She should sit nicely and then come rolling. But we'll give it a 10 top billing on the outside. Travel smart. Moving to the ninth, another race where I think my approach is going to be use the horse with current form. Home cooking, very talented. Her grade one Delmar debutante was really good when she was second, and her maiden breaking win was awesome last year. You have Clearly Unhinged, who earned an 89 buyer speed figure when winning her Maiden special weight race in February this year. And then she came back in the Santa Anita Oaks. She was only five to two. You have Pleasant, who earned a big figure, 82 buyer in winning earlier this year. All really, really talented. Three for three on the outside. She's resilient with ability. She's fast. Who I'm going to look to is the number three, Delightful Heart. I was just so impressed with this career debut. This was her first start. She was going six and a half furlongs and from the rail. So we're looking at the number one in here. And she has a fine start. She's inside. She's sitting third, about two lengths off or so. And the horse who's on the lead is the four to five favorite, getting a pretty easy lead. Now look at Delightful Heart, the one. She just kind of sits down there nicely inside. And she gets kind of pushed back a little bit. Not really like shuffled, but just sort of positioning. But she's just waiting for room, waiting for room. And the two horse makes a move on the outside. Like in a small field like this, down on the rail, first time out, that's not an easy place to be. But she just stays down there nicely, moves into contention. And when she's able to angle around, she goes by very easily. Watch her move nicely into contention and just respond now. She felt to me like a horse who's done this a bunch of times, not a three-year-old filly who was making her first start. Just asked to move to the outside, tips off the rail, and responds, and she blows right by the favorite here. And now Delightful Heart is proven at six and a half, and she's going to have the benefit of recent form when a horse like, you know, clearly unhinged doesn't have that recent form, Pleasant doesn't have that recent form, and neither does Home Cooking. So I'm leaning to Delightful Heart in here, who I think will have the advantage, sits the trip just behind the speeds and can stalk and pounce like she did in that debut race. That was very impressive. And then to close it out at Santa Anita on Friday, some to include in here. The uh, the seven's going to be pretty tough. Numero Dix, I'm just expecting a big effort from this one. She's kind of searching for where he fits. He lost to a horse named 911 Turbo, who has crossed the wire first in three straight. It was actually DQ'd in one of them. 
He's crossed the wire first in four out of five. And that was his first start back since October of 2021. So you just feel like that was a race to shake off a lot of the rust. And I think we're going to get a much bigger effort from the seven in, in this, uh, in this spot, numero dicks others to include the one relaxed artist. Who's a big price, but there's a better race in there with him than what we've seen recently. Look at his career day deb- or his debut in the U S back in February of 2022. And since then, it's just been tough spots, not able to put it all together. He's had, you know, he's only raced four times since I'm, I'm going to be using the one in late exotics, trying to close things out. The two trusty rusties only turf race was good. I think that's something he can build off. Also others to look at the four Tom and Jazzy's probably the horse to beat. He's had some legitimate trouble. His races have been against Calbreds though. So now he's facing open company and the uh, eight tangled up in gray, a first time gelding who's going to stretch out to a mile and showed speed going long before. So you expect him to be forwardly placed in here to look at some of the horses I'm using in race 10. They're at Santa Anita. Good luck on Friday. The first of three racing days to close out Santa Anita this meet. Remember, anytime you need any help, get to DRF.com for those past performances. And there will be mandatory payouts on Sunday in the Rainbow Pick 6 and all the exotic pools there. There's also going to be a Pick 6 bonus on Saturday. Good luck this weekend at Santa Anita. Are you moving, relocating, selling your house? Just curious uh, how much your home is worth. You need to contact Cindy Carava, full-service realtor. She can help you out with buying, with selling, with leasing. She can help connect you to the right type of vendors if you're looking for home improvement. Maybe you need help with the home loan process. She will connect you to the lenders that she knows that's make that'll make your life so much easier, that'll expedite that process for you. That's her job. She just wants to make your life easier because she knows all the little things that we're probably not even thinking about when we're worried about moving. She is going to check off all the boxes for you. Her website, cindycarava.com, C-I-N-D-Y-C-A-R-A-V-A.com, cindycarava.com. Let's move into Saturday racing. Let's kick it off with some Belmont Park, and let's take a look at races 7 through 10 at Belmont for Saturday. Belmont Park, Saturday. Race 7 is the kickoff leg of the late pick 4. It's a New York Red first level allowance race, 7 furlongs on the dirt. I uh, I thought the one's a little bit intriguing. I don't love the rail draw, but Ocean's Reserve can pass, but has enough speed to flee the rail and, and maybe to keep him out of trouble. He's proven at seven furlongs. Obviously, he's not a wind machine. Most of these aren't. The, the outside horse, Mariachi, that's the one to beat. Another one that's interesting to me is the four, Dr. Kraft, because I know he will come running. His last race was on the turf. Just put a line right through it. Let's take a look at the six and a half furlong race on April the 22nd. That race was not bad at all. And we have four consecutive races in a row that are pretty solid, all from about six and a half to a mile. You know, even going back to the, you know, the seven furlong third place finish against Maiden Specials way back in uh, December. This is a consistent horse, just needs a little pace to run at. He can come closing. The number four, Dr. Kraft, is going to be in the mix for me as well. So maybe a one in four. Horses that I thought could get you a little bit of value there in the seventh race. Let's move to race number eight. This one is a first level allowance going a mile on the turf. I like the one a little bit dancing with the stars. I've followed this guy for a while. He's now going to go second start off the bench. He just needed his last race. 
and he can get back to some of those better races last year. But the horse who I actually like the most here is Mwate, the number three. He looks like the one to catch. He's going to get Lasix for the first time. If we can get some something like that September 24th effort, he cleared the field, finished third, was beaten just a half length that day, behind next out winning Celestial City. That type of race would make him really competitive in here. So I'll be using the one and the three. I'm also going to throw in the five a little bit, Kawaimiya River. I think he may be more forwardly placed stretching out in a race that doesn't seem to have that much pace. Exact estimate looks like the horse to beat, so he'll he'll probably be pretty close from the outside. He comes out of uh, some strong races where he was behind Catnip and even last year behind Artorias. There's a look at the eighth race for Belmont Park, one and three. Kind of the horses I'll build around, throw the five in a little bit. Seven's the one to beat. Let's move to the bed of roses. Race number seven, or race number nine, is a seven furlong sprint race for fillies and mares, four year olds and up. Not a big field. Quality field, though. Good night, Olive, the Breeders' Cup Philly and Mares sprint winner. She got a bad trip last time out. She got pinned inside. She couldn't get out. It was a bad ride. Irad is, a, is back aboard. She'll be making her third start off the bench. Have to imagine they'll. Try to get a little aggressive with her. Just make sure that she's not stuck in. Whether it's aggressive going early or aggressive just moving to the lead early. The horse who I like in here, though, is Carmel Swirl. I thought she was so impressive on May the 14th. She was close up, and then she backed up. She was in between horses. She was all the way back to sixth, about three lengths off. She waited to go. There was no room. She moved outside, four wide, always in hand. She's going to make her... Second start off the short break, her third start at five. I think she's got another step forward or two in her caramel swirl. I'll build around her in the late exotics. And then to close things out, feels like a race where you could use a, a couple. Um, some of the price horses that I'm intrigued by, the 11 Devilly, who's going to go third, start off the bench. She gets back to the turf, and her most recent turf race was against Better. The race back in July on the grass was not bad at all. That was sprinting. Queen Queens over threes will be in the mix for me. Rum runner ready. The one and the six quick power nap getting back to the turf. One, six, ten, and eleven in that tenth race at Belmont Park. So there's a look at Belmont Saturday. Some of the uh, late pick four races if you're playing that or looking at the feature race. Maybe we could help steer you in the right direction once or twice. Let's move from Belmont over to Monmouth. Monmouth Park on Saturday has a really nice card at the end of the card. Four stakes races, three of them graded stakes races. There's an all stakes pick four that starts in race number 10. And then, you know, if you play the late pick five to close out, you're playing uh, four stakes races out of the five of them. So let's talk about races 10 through 13. And it's Haskell Preview Day as we look at the daily racing form past performances at DRF.com. We'll show you how you can actually get these past performances for free when you sign up for DRF Bets. These are formulator past performances, which I love to dive into. They make it really easy for our handicapping. So in this 10th race, it's the Pegasus. This is where that 50 cent all stakes pick four begins. And you can also play the pick five to start here. Lots of different wagers. I'm going to talk about the stakes races. However you want to play them, always try to play the uh, the lowest takeout wagers if possible for yourself. But for me, 
in race number 10, I'm going to try to beat Kings Barnes, who's coming out of the Derby. He's eight to five on the morning line. He was <clears throat> right on the lead and he set the pace in the Derby. But coming into the Derby, I really wasn't that high on his form. I wasn't sure how difficult his trip was in the Louisiana Derby, where he got a pretty easy lead that day. Some of the horses behind him had trouble trips. So I'm going to be a little cold on him in this spot. I'll try to beat him here right off the bat. A couple horses that I will be using in the mix uh, in some exotics. I like the four salute the stars best in here. His first two races on the turf were, were very good. He had legitimate trouble in his career debut, came back in his second start in one. And then he was off from August to May. He showed back up in May in the Brad Cox barn and he was entered for a race that was on the turf, taken off the turf, moved to the dirt. He ends up staying in. And I really like the race. He had, you know, good start. He had the lead early. Then he ends up sitting third. He backed off two lengths. He waited. He got an opening in between. He shot through to the lead. It was a well-measured win. He just seems really handy in watching him. And I think he can take another step forward in here. So he's intriguing to me. The the two Moreau at a little bit of a price. I like the progression we saw from him when he moved from start one to start two and he stretched out a little bit. He took back just behind the leaders. He was tucked inside. Uh, just behind the top flight, he angled three wide, and it was good. And, and then classic catch, you know, his form looks a little bit better now. Hit show wasn't bad in the Derby or in the Belmont. And then, obviously, Arcangelo came back and uh, won the Belmont and earned a nice figure in doing so. So I think classic catch kind of fits pretty well in here. Maybe combos of like four, one, and two for me if I'm playing some rolling exotics. I don't know what to think about the the long branch where – you know, how great is Nate got a pretty nice figure and was impressive there. Probably take the cold approach on that race and use combos of, uh, of one, two and four in race number 10, moving to the 11th. It's the grade three Eaton town. This is a pretty fun race. I thought the number two Vergara was one to take a look at. So she's a three-year-old or she's a four-year-old Philly. Who's going to be making her second start at four. What I like about her is, Based on speed figures, she ran about the same sort of race as she was running last year. I think that she can now take a step forward in her second start with this race under her belt and, and a little bit of fitness. Overall, she's been a really consistent filly, and it, she just ran like a horse who needed the race. She sat third just off. She moved to the lead. She was just a little bit short. It was her first start since November the 1st. It was her first start since 4, and the speed figure was not bad. Puts her like right in contention with these, if she can just take a little step forward in her second start at four. So she's going to be in the mix for me. I'll be playing her all over the place. Surprisingly, you should get a really nice trip saving ground from the inside. No real knocks on her overall. She's remarkably consistent. Consumer spending's another one who's, you know, a, a nice fit. The market segmentation race came back very live. We saw that one go on to win last week. The grade one, New York gate to wire so consumer spending and surprisingly coming out of that race they look even stronger that's what's nice about the uh, the daily racing form formulator past performances you can take one click to look at the chart right there scottish star will likely be a pace factor in here but this is a really contentious race i mean you can make a case for the five spirit and glory i'll probably give the six a shot to bounce back after just a real disappointing effort last time just did not fire at all. I think if you put a line through that and you can play her off of some of her earlier form, she's 
obviously a player in here, but can you be that forgiving for that race? I think because she'll offer you a little bit of value in here more than if she ran well there, I can, I can include her in the mix. And then Gina Romantica is the horse to beat. Is she ready to rock and roll right now? She's going to make her first start at four. She hasn't raced since October. How are you going to approach this sequence in this race with her? Another instance where I think there are other horses who may be a little sharper and a little more primed for this particular race. It's not as if Chad Brown has any trouble getting these horses ready off the layoff. She could absolutely be ready and better than she was last year. And that wouldn't be a shock, but I don't think it's just as easy as, as her in here. So for me, the two inside horses are the, uh, the real intriguing ones for me, I guess even, you know, the three inside horses for, for the most part. Let's continue along to race number 12 as uh, the 12th race is the grade three Salvatore mile. Petulante is really consistent right now. And what I like with him is he's actually showed he can sit off a little bit if he has to, but imagine he'll be in the mix and be forwardly placed in here. The one that I'm, I'm kind of intrigued by is towards the outside to start with is, uh, is Bourbonic. And if you look at his recent form, he's coming off of races where he was beat 26 lengths and 12 and a quarter lengths, and he was dead last in in those two. So we're not talking about a horse who's in the best of form, but that race was on a muddy track and on a turf and on the turf. So now he's back to a fast dirt track. And if you look at his form prior to that, he's just a closer. He just needs the right type of race shape and the right type of setup. And I think he's going to get it in here. You start going through the field, you have the one who should be forwardly placed, riding with Biden's best races come when he's pushing the pace. Empty Tomb wants to be really close. Um, you have Bourbon Calling, who doesn't want to be all that far out of it. Octane is very, very quick. He's going to be pushing it. Trademark tries to sit, and I think with Joel aboard, they're going to try to, to sit back with him a little bit more, and I'm going to use him at a price because if he can sit and work out a little trip like he has a couple times – he may be a horse who can get sort of the the trip right behind the speeds and get the jump on some of the deeper closers. Nimitz class wants to go right to the lead and uh, it should set up well for Burbonic. Ortorius is coming off the bench. Another horse for Chad Brown making their first start of the year who will be a pretty short price here. Are you trying to beat him in this particular race? I think he can get, he's going to get a good setup. That's my worry is that he's going to be sitting off the pace and it might just fall right into his lap. So he'll probably be in the mix for me. 10, 9, and 1 would be the horses I'm I'm building around the most. And then the 7 is also going to be in the mix in a, in a pick 4 or pick 5. So 10, 1, 9, 7 for me in race number 12. As we move to the 13th race, it's the grade 3 Monmouth. A lot of these are prep races. Four races we're going to see on Haskell Day. So it's Haskell Preview Day. Um, and you'll see Tribuvin prepping for bigger plans down the line. United Nations winner last year. We'll see if they can do the same thing again this year. This is our United Nations winner two years ago, back in 2021, was fourth in the United Nations last year. And we'll see if you know they can do that again this year. So Tribuvin is nine to five on the morning line and is the one they'll have to catch. That's really what it'll come down to. Can anyone push him? It just doesn't seem like there's anyone that's all that fast in here to go along with him. It's a small field. The horse who I'm intrigued by is Commander. Commandeer, excuse me. 
and we can uh, watch the race that Commandeer comes out of. So he's a five-year-old who was making his first start on the turf in his 14th career start. And he earned by far the best speed figure he's earned in his career. But this is a horse who's actually been a pretty quality horse. They put him in stakes races a few times because he he rattled off a couple nice wins. He's just haven't had a tough time staying on the track. He's had lots of gaps in his racing career. But watching his race last time out in his first turf start, I thought it was really good. And he's the eight in the race that we're watching. He stumbles at the start. So this is his first start. Since July of 2022, this is his first time on the turf. He stumbles badly, and then he sort of runs into some traffic, and he has to settle towards the rear. And he's ninth out of 11 in this field. He's, you know, six, seven lengths off of it or so. And he he just starts to get into a nice groove. He settles well, and then he starts to travel really well. And what's interesting about him Comparing his form before this race, he was a lot quicker. There were a lot of races where he would show more early speed. And in this race, he just stumbled and he came from way out of it. Now, is he the horse that can be really close to Tribuven? Maybe even on the lead? Paco Lopez is is aboard this horse. This is a horse who's been pretty close in pressing the lead in some races that weren't slow. Now... If you're watching the replay, Commandeer is asked for some run and at the top of the lane is going to tip to the outside and really starts to make up some ground. He's actually hanging on his wrong lead late and then when he switches over leads, he he just misses. This was his first turf start. This was his first start since July. There were already two next out winners out of this race and just looking at him as a horse who could be a lot closer to the pace than we saw in, in this first turf race. I'm giving him a big look in this one. That's the number five commandeer. And it's not as if this is the easiest race for Tribuvin. It's just from a, a pace and a tactical standpoint. He probably has him collared here. The two is in really nice form. Never explained has rattled off three in a row. One that grade three on the Preakness undercard made the 20th. You have the three speaking scout is a grade one winner. Had some trouble kind of in between horses last time in that race behind never explain. And then you have catnip. He can sit close. He's on the improve. He's going third start off the bench. He's proven over this course. Little intriguing grade three to close out the graded stakes races there on the Saturday card at Monmouth park. Best of luck on Saturday over at Monmouth Park. Let's bounce over to Santa Anita for Saturday closing weekend at Santa Anita. Sunday is closing day. Saturday they have a mandatory or Sunday they have the mandatory payout. Saturday there's a million dollar bonus in the pick six if you are the single winning ticket. Let's dive into that pick six sequence that kicks off with a stakes race that's going to have a very heavy favorite named Miramati. Yes, that Miramati. This is a first-time starter named for Frank Miramati. Million-dollar purchase for Starlight Racing, SF Racing, uh, Baffert Trains. The workouts on XBTV are very, very good. The dam of this one was a grade two winner, multiple grade one placed. Couple siblings to race one winner. He's going to be really, really tough. Refocus is the other one in there who was very good in his debut. I just 
I don't really see a whole lot of value um, in the the seventh race to kick things off. If you were looking for one, maybe Tranch, who has some experience, raced it at Keeneland and then over at Churchill and was in a stakes race last time out and did face open company. Just doesn't seem like the, the value type race. In the eighth race at Santa Anita, six and a half furlongs on the turf, but it's not the downhill, just the straight turf. There is not that much early speed in here. The one jack six pack could be very tough to run down. He exits a race where he was behind the chosen Vron, and it, it's a Calbred race. So when you look at it at first glance, it looks like he's stepping up in class. But keep in mind the chosen Vron is 12 for 16 in a multiple graded stakes winner who has won seven in a row. The runner-up that day, Kings River Knight, came back to beat Calbred's in a stakes race next out with a 93 buyer. It's not exactly an easy spot that he was in. And Cherubic factors the horse to beat, no doubt. He had a brutal trip. He was inside. He took back. He was just behind the leaders. He was just stuck in a bad spot. Two from the rail, nowhere to go. He got shuffled back. He lost two lengths of positioning. He was just absolutely <clears throat> blocked until it was too late. The others to keep an eye on in here, the four beige is a, of a wild card. Hasn't started since October, but should fit pretty well at, at the six and a half trip. The two Wodatin will make his U.S. debut. Hasn't raced since September. And if you wanted to go a little deeper, even the nine King Apollo, I just, I thought he kind of hung a little bit in his last start. And now that feels like a couple in a row that maybe he should have won or could have, could have won. It's not, he had some trouble, but still had chances to win. So I'm, I'm not exactly sure what to do with him. In the ninth race, it's a Calbred Maiden Special 8, six furlongs on the dirt. You know, the one Seattle Surf is inside speed. He's really the only proven speed in there. The five, Andy, can you hear me? He's the horse to beat, no doubt. He was a step slow. He was seven lengths off. He kept inside, traveling really well, just had nowhere to go. He was loaded. He got some room late, but it was just too late. He's the horse to beat. He was in front of Cowboy Mike, who has been favored in back-to-back starts. Cowboy Mike is fine, uh, but I have five over the one six in here. In the 10th race at Santa Anita, it's a mile on the turf. It's a first-level allowance for Calbreds, and Big Bet Jaff and Cena seems like a major player in here to me. He was third in his debut, and his con- his issue is just he's slow from the gate. He completely missed the break in his debut, and he did it again in his second start. But he made a huge four-wide sweeping move. That was on the dirt, and now he's going to try the turf. His dam is a four-time winner on the turf, was grade two placed. She's produced three siblings. Two of them are turf winners. Dynaformer on the top side, unusual heat on the bottom side, just bred up and down for the grass. The seven horse is going to be very tough in here because it looks like there's a good amount of speed as well. With Leia's Candy, Talk Less, Work More, Stamp My Passport. They should all be forwardly placed in here um, and, and help set it up. If you're looking for others to include Irish Heat Wave, and uh, I'll probably throw in you know, a little bit of Mobu. But the seven's going to be pretty tough there. In race number 11, see a first level allowance, five and a half furlongs on the dirt, Phillies and Mares, three year olds and up. The number two, Doris May, has shown that she can sit off. She has some speed. She's a major player in here because a lot of these want to be close up, but they don't really pass. 
I think that that versatility gives her an edge, uh, as well as Pequena Tormenta. She was a step slow. She got to the lead without really being asked, and it was pretty impressive. Feel like she can sit off a little bit from out there. I'm not exactly sure what to do with She's Resilient. Kind of a wild card. She's been really, really good, but this is going to be a tougher spot, and it looks like she's going to deal with a lot of other pace pressure. So, yeah, Doris May, Bacana Tormenta will be the, the two on top for me. Like, clickish fits, but I think I just prefer the others a little bit more. Tip-top gals, 0 for the last 19. She's never won a race passing, but she's become more of a closer recently. I could, like, see her plodding up and grinding and picking up a piece. In the 12th and final at Santa Anita, I'll be uh, building around the 3 and the 7. Um, Haley Levade had a good start. She was fourth inside. She tipped out. She was gaining on the winner. It just just uh, lost to a horse who got the jump on her. I thought it was a really good effort. If you toss her race going a mile and an eighth, her other three sprint races, um, you know, since uh, early twenty three have been very good. Running with the boys looks like the horse to catch. It just doesn't look like there's very much speed in here, and I think she's just going to be sent hard. Speed Lane, if I'm looking for a price, uh, Albi Deer is another one who's in nice form right now. But lots of three and seven for me to close it out at Santa Anita. There's a look at Santa Anita Saturday. Best of luck there. And Sunday, Santa Anita will have some analysis for you. Make sure to come check it out on social media. Follow me on Twitter. It's me, Gino B. Let's shift on over to Louisiana Downs. We have some Louisiana Downs Saturday, then some Sunday, then we'll get into Monday. Time to talk some Saturday racing at Louisiana Downs. But we're going to dive into the daily racing form past performances. And I want to encourage all of you who are always looking for a, a place to play. DRF Bets is the place to wager. Look at this promotion they're offering right now. If you deposit $250, they will give you a $250 deposit match bonus, a $10 free bet, and free past performances. Use that promo code WINNING. Take a look. Enter the promo code winning. You get a $10 free bet upon registration. Then when you deposit $250, they are going to match that exactly. You're going to have $510 in your account. You're going to get 10 free formulator pass performances. That's the exact cards that I'm looking at, the formulator ones right here. And then every time you wager another $50, you get credit for a, form, a formulator pass performance. So keep that in mind as uh, you know you're looking for places to play. How about Louisiana Downs for us to take a, a little swing at this weekend? I've done some work with Louisiana the last couple of years. Last year, I was on the broadcast helping out. This year, just being uh, able to promote on social media, and I've looked at their races every single day. I want to give a big shout-out to Roxanne Tanner, Ambassador Roxanne. She's been doing the simulcast and doing the, uh, the broadcast each and every race. She's doing a fantastic job. And track announcer John McGarry over there, uh, he is really, really great. He knows that track. He knows those uh, connections. He knows that circuit. So if you ever need any additional help playing the races at Louisiana, you want to check in with Roxanne and with John McGarry. Now, 
for those of you who are curious about some of the wagers they have there, their win play show wagering has a 17% low takeout, which is one of the better uh, takeouts as far as win play show wagering is concerned. And on the pick fours and pick fives, 15% takeout for their 50 cent pick fours and their 50 cent pick fives. So some great wagers to play. They have turf and dirt racing at Louisiana downs right now. You'll see them Saturday, Sunday, Monday, some Tuesdays here and there, but it is a great, great product to play. Let's dive in and take a look and see if we can make some money this week. So let's start in race number, uh, race number one on Saturday. I'm looking at the number three Lexington diamond. So let's take a look at who this Philly has has faced in her few starts, right? Her career debut, she debuts at Churchill against Maiden 50 Claimers. In that race, she's behind a horse named Cotton Candy Annie, who has already become a three-time winner since then. So a tough field in your first start. How about in her second start? Let's look at the field she faces then. At Churchill, again in a Maiden 50 Claimer, she's behind a horse named Taxed. Taxed is a graded stakes winner. Taxed won the Black-Eyed Susan and is actually graded stakes placed. So what a tough maiden 50 claimer. The second place finisher, Amber Cascade, came back to win a maiden special eight in her next start. The third place finisher, Psychedelic, came back to win a maiden 35 claimer in her next start. And we also had one more, Electric Sense, who came back to win a maiden 50, oh no, it was a maiden 15 claimer in their next start. So what a live race that produced three next out winners and the winner of the race is now a grade two winner. Now just compare that to where Lexington diamond is against maiden five thousands way down the ladder. Lexington diamond shows up on April the 23rd at Oakland park. And I thought ran really well that day. So let's take a look at her race. It was her first start since November. So keep in mind, we're looking at the nine in this race and she has not raced since November. So she probably needs this race for her best effort. It was on a good track at Oaklawn and it was against maiden 15 claimers, which is a better, tougher level than she's at on Saturday. And kind of a slowish start. Step slow is kind of squeezed in between, but did move up inside nicely. So you see she's on the inside now. She's all the way up to about fifth or so. And she's in that third flight and she's going to run pretty well in here it's kind of in, in a little traffic she's going to angle to the two path about four lengths off she makes a big early move all the way up to second and then she tires so let's just keep an eye on the nine in here keep in mind she was actually favored in this race she's going to be coming into the jonas gibson barn this barn is six for 11 to start the meet she's going to add the blinkers hoping that they can get her more for the placed and jose guerrero is going to jump aboard he is so good at getting speed out of horses. He's one of the better gate riders, and I think the best at Louisiana Downs. And so now all of those together, here's the nine moving up in between horses, nicely into contention. And then right about here is just going to hit that that wall where she just gets a little bit tired. Keep in mind, she hasn't run since November. So she has every right to get tired right about here. Now... She's going to go second start off the bench. And we don't really need to watch the rest of this race. She ends up finishing third, beating only a couple lengths. I thought it was a, a good effort from her. But she comes into a barn that's rolling to start the meet. They add the blinkers with a really good speed rider aboard. Second start off the bench. Claim was voided. 
But since the claim was voided, she's come back and worked four times in a row locally at Louisiana Downs. Lots of things to like about the number three Lexington Diamond. She's going to be pretty tough, I think, in the opener on Saturday. How about race number two? Let's move right next door. I think the second race is all about the Shane Wilson runners, which that's the case a lot of the time. He's an incredible trainer over at Louisiana Downs, and the whole family is part of the 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 operation. They do such a fantastic job over there. And I think he has two horses in here with different running styles that should really complement each other very well. The two guitar tuition please is more of a, an off the pace type in the six chief weave feels like the horse to catch. He's quick. He just wired a field on May the 30th. They're going to wheel him back quickly in a few weeks. And he should at the very least either be tough to run down or set it up nicely for the two guitar tuition, please to come running. So that's why I feel like the Wilson runners really have this race kind of pegged. You look at the six. So he's quick, but there are some other speeds in here. The eight, Mr. Tin man is fast. You know, I wouldn't be shocked to even see the seven showing some speed in here. We know the six is quick. The five right next door throwing shade is also fast. The four general Eisenhower is also quick. That's sort of why I start with the two guitar tuition, please. I think he's going to get the perfect trip. He's been facing better in his last couple starts. He's actually faced open company in allowance races. And now he's moving in with Louisiana breads and dropping down to a restricted claiming race. So it's like a double drop in class moving down the class ladder and in with Louisiana breads instead of versus open company. I feel like, you know, two six in any type of early exotics. I'm going to play a daily double, I think, from race number one with Lexington Diamond into the two six here and likely be playing guitar tuition, please, to win if we can get anything over like seven to two. So those are the two I like early on the card and then one more later in the card for some of uh, your late exotics because the fifth race kicks off the late pick four that you can play for 15% takeout, that 50 cent pick four. A couple horses to mention in this one as well. The the eight, Stormy Sunrise, her form on the turf is a little bit better than it may look overall. Stick with me for a second. Last year on June the 25th, she had a brutal trip. Really unlucky. I was keeping an eye on her after that race. But then watch. So June 25th, she's on the turf going seven and a half. Her next start, it's not on the grass, so it's not relevant. It was taken off the turf. Then on June the 25th, she had a really wide trip behind two horses that came back to win their next start. And, you know, you, you follow her, her August 16th race. Again, she's really, really wide that day. September 17th, she's not on the turf. And then September 26th, she runs pretty well on the turf, finishing third that day. What's wrong with that effort? Now she's going to go second start back. She puts two starts together. I'm going to use her in a pick four here and in some underneath spots. The horse I like even more, though, and I'll be using, you know, along with the uh, the eight is the 11 Swizzle City. Now, you know, she just was her first start in a few months. She had a tough post last time out, and she just packed it in early. And the race has already come back live. The winner of that race has come back to win, Miss Cajun Queen. And this is a horse who's in nice form right now, back-to-back victories. And, you know, you look at the races that Swizzle City has been exiting 
20 claimers, 30 claimers. Last year at Louisiana, we're talking first-level allowance races against tough company. I think it's just a really good spot for Swizzle City. Second start off the bench. Guerrero keeps the faith for, once again, guess who? Shane Wilson. So I'm hoping Saturday is a great day for Shane Wilson. I've got him picked on top in the second and in the fifth. In race number one, we got the three Lexington Diamond. Best of luck. This weekend out at Louisiana Downs. First post is on Saturday at 2.05 Central Time, 2.05 Local Time, and 3.05 p.m. Eastern Time. Every day that they run at Louisiana Downs, I have a video that gets sent in on their broadcast with a couple best bets. So for this weekend on Saturday, you have uh, seen a few of them. Best of luck. Let's dive into some Sunday racing for Louisiana Downs. If you haven't been paying attention or playing the races from Louisiana this year, you really need to take a look because they have great racing, turf, dirt action. They have low takeout, 17% in the win play show, 15% in the pick four and the pick fives. They're traditional 50 cent pick fours and pick fives that play out each and every day. Let's dive in to Sunday, looking at the daily racing form, past performances. I'm going to start in race number two on Sunday. It's a five furlong turf sprint, $12,500 claimers, four-year-olds and up, which have not won four races or which have not won two since June the 18th. I'm going to go down to the number three in here meant for me, who I think just comes out of a, a tougher race last time out, that open allowance on a good turf course, of uh, going five furlongs on May the 22nd. That is a tough, tough group. And he was involved in the race. He was right with the leaders. He was kind of in between horses. He took back and then he he just sort of faded a bit late. And I, I really just think it was a group that was a bit too tough. Prior to that, his form was really good. This horse has not done much wrong in his career. The six and a half race, you know, where he on February the 28th, that was again a spot that was really tough. He was 35 to one that day, just a little overmatched. Everything else, he's involved. He's in the mix. He shows up. He gives a really good account of himself. He's in the money in seven of nine. The other two, just a little too tough. The key for me is with G Money aboard, can he sit third in here? Looking at the way this race shapes up, can he sit behind Nate's way, who I think is going to go to the lead? He's very fast. You have Spectrolite, who's really fast. He's he's the horse to beat, I think. And then you have Jake the Bandman, who's also really fast on the outside. So I'm expecting all of them to be really pushing it. And I think the three meant for me can park out right behind them and get a great trip. Meant for me. Six to one on the morning line on Sunday at Louisiana Downs. Anything around seven to two plus, I think would be fair value on meant for me as we move to race number four my second of two plays on the day and i'm gonna look at the number two in here jersey doll now she debuted at oaklawn against maiden 30 claimers and it was on a sloppy racetrack so it's really difficult to take a lot out of that right sloppy track tough to gauge here's what we do know she can fly she has very good early speed. 
I think she packed it in because she didn't like the track. A lot of horses do that when they don't take to a, a sloppy racetrack or an off track, and then they just they just back up. But we know she has speed, and we don't know that about anyone else in this field. Nobody else has that proven type of speed that we've seen from her. The eight, Jenny's big baby, did show a little bit of speed. Not the same type of speed that Jersey Doll showed at Oaklawn. Mally's Monsoon has shown some speed a couple times. Again, not that same type of speed. But I feel like with the inside draw, a barn who's had a nice start to the meeting, the Milligan barn has already had a couple winners early on. Horse who's come over to Louisiana Downs with a couple local works. So lots of positives for the two Jersey Doll. Five to one on the morning line. Seven to two was my value line there. If we can get anything over that three to one, we'll make a win wager there on Sunday. So a couple plays for me for Louisiana Downs for Sunday. Now keep in mind, if you are looking at these past performances and you like what you see, if you want a little help when you're handicapping the races, you need to head to drf.com and take a look at DRF bets. When you sign up for DRF bets and you use the promo code winning, if you deposit 250, they're going to put 250 right on top of that and give you a $10 free bet. So your 250 immediately turns into 510 right off the bat. And then every time you bet 50 bucks, you get another credit for one of these free past performances for the uh, the formulator PPs. drf.com, drf bets, use the promo code winning when you sign up. Good luck this weekend at Louisiana Downs. Shout out to track announcer John McGarry and ambassador Roxanne, who's doing a fantastic job handicapping the races and as part of the broadcast out there. Every day that there's racing at Louisiana, I always have a few best bets on That's What G Said podcast, and I send in a video for the broadcast. So great track to kick back and play the races each and every day. Right now, that's Saturday, Sundays, Mondays, and some Tuesdays. Let's finish up with Monday, Louisiana Downs. Got a couple best bets for you over on Louisiana Downs for Monday. Race number three, we're going to take a look at the number four here, and that is Batty. Fits the conditions really well. This is a race that's for non-winners of four or for horses who haven't won a race since December the 19th. So this gal has four wins, so she can't fit under that condition, but she has not won a race since December the 15th. So she qualifies just by four days. And she's only raced one time since then. So it's not as if she's lost a bunch of races since. She really fits. There's not very much speed in here. I think it's her and one other horse to the outside. And she's actually shown that she can sit. In fact, back last year on September the 3rd, she was a winner of a race where she sat behind that horse beyond the hype who had the lead. And Batty ended up winning by eight lengths. She was 12 to 1 that day. Batty. Like her quite a bit in this spot. The number four. This is on Monday over at Louisiana Downs. Let's move to race number six. And I'm going to talk about the number seven at Louisiana Downs in here. We're going to look at post-close. Now, this one's interesting because he's actually coming out of some tough races and he has a couple of the better more recent figures he's a 14 time winner he loves to win races and if he's anything close to his best in here he'll crush this field he's won four at louisiana seven at the distance 
he's making his third start of the meet, but both of the other starts so far were on off tracks, on a wet, fast track, and on a good track. So he was just behind the leaders. He was inside. He was in the second flight. He angled out. He was in contention. He was like a little flat late. And now he's going to go third start off the long layoff. He gets class relief. This is a softer spot for him. I think it's a good spot for post-close, 8-1 to one on the morning line. So that's a look at Monday over at Louisiana Downs. Best of luck there playing the races all weekend long at Louisiana. Let's move to this week in wrestling with Chad Cooper. Everything going on in the world of WWE with SmackDown, Raw, Money in the Bank coming soon. NXT, they have Gold Rush shows coming up the next few weeks. AEW, Collision starting soon. They're building to Forbidden Door. Lots happening in the world of wrestling. We talk about all of it with Chad Cooper. Here it is, folks. Fight of the night. I'm trying to claim that belt once and for all. It's this week's wrestling recap. All right, calm down. And here he is, your hometown hero, your reigning champ, the one and only Chad Cooper. chance to see uh you know the usos now taking a bigger role in this and we're seeing all of the bloodline stuff continue to play out with solo the usos getting individual u.s title shots paul Heyman, what do you think about uh how smackdown's rolling so is is the bloodline is is now the storyline is this kind of like spinoffs of the walking dead we yeah, was gonna say it's just like a <laughs> joey you know you had the friends show and then there was yeah. joey that yeah. just didn't do very well you know yeah. then, not, not that it's not doing very well but it just seems like it, you know uh we we've been and we dove so deep in it over you know the last year or so it just seems like uh we just unravel more layers and now it's gotten uh to uh, the usos which have been uh pretty pretty good in this and now we've uh there there's there's a a tug of brotherhood so to speak of your twin brother um now going against each other maybe a possibility of that so it's it's very interesting what i would think would be you know at a, a definitely another uh, interesting layer to this would be if one of them actually did win a title somewhere. Um, and then you could have the two brothers go at it for the title. I'm not saying Roman's title, of course, but if, if you won uh, some US. sort of champion, yeah, that would make it really intriguing. So I guess there were a couple surprises so far as we just look overall at who is qualified for the money in the bank on the men's side. Damian Priest beat Riddle in a really good match on Monday night. So Priest is in. Ricochet's in. Nakamura is in. L.A. Knight is in. Santos Escobar and Butch both qualified on Friday night, which was a little surprising. We may have thought both of the others, uh, Ali and Corbin, would have been in. But it looks like Ali and Corbin are going to have a bigger role on NXT. So I will say I absolutely love this field. For the money in the bank, because this is a bunch of guys that are going to get a push for the first time, like a big push like this, really, for the first time. And looking at the field right now, it seems like to me, Damian Priest, Nakamura, L.A. Knight, those would be the the choices. Yeah, and it seems like as you 
as we went through SmackDown and on into Monday with these qualifying matches, it seemed to have, uh, he's like, okay, I think maybe I'm leaning strong here on LA Knight. Then you see a Damian Priest have a fantastic match and you go, well, you can make a case for Damian Priest. You know, he's, uh, you know, he's had a fantastic match with Seth Rollins um, there's the, here, the bad bunny match was one I think bad, where they really where they really oh, felt like yep this guy can do it you know uh, oh yeah so you talk about if you're setting a morning line and we're setting odds on this uh, you can make a case for these guys because as you mentioned uh, this is the first time a lot of them are getting that big big push and I tell you it's what fresh it's a fresh man. grouping too and, and they're all like, gonna be hungry they're yeah, and it's and gonna, it, it felt like Santos and Ali had were that match on SmackDown on Friday night was so it felt like it was do or die. It was winner take all. It felt like both of them had something to prove, even though Ali's involved in a NXT storyline. It just felt different watching that match. Same with Damian Priest on Monday night. It just feels different when 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 you have a say a surprising victor that qualifies. You're like, man, you could you could make a case and. And whoever the favorite is going into this match, uh, that that's not a that's not a for sure win because you can make a case for any of these guys. You, someone like Butch is going to have the crowd behind him, so he's going to be a fun person in that match. Ricochet will be flying all over the place. Santos is going to be awesome. I'm sure Bronson Reed will call, qualify for that uh, in the next you know week or so. And I'm pumped for the build to that match. Now, one thing I'm kind of scratching my head on a little bit is what they're doing with the women's tag team championships. Yeah. It's yeah. this is weird. So they're going to they're going to combine and unify the women's tag team title. They're going to take away the, the NXT Not a fan women's of tag team titles. I don't Not a fan. Me neither. I don't know. This is just kind of weird overall to me. I don't know what good it does. Yeah, you know, it, it takes, okay, you have one set of champions, okay, but you don't have one set of, I mean, you have one set of men's uh, as of right now, you know, um, I just don't like what this does to NXT, and I know no, NXT, NXT, NXT just, women's tag teams that are coming up, what are they going to fight for? So a right. brand new tag team is going to be thrown right up on into SmackDown that's put together and they're going to be challenging for the women's titles. That's not going to happen. No, no, I, I don't, you know, I, I don't. And, and here's the part where, Oh, you guys uh, worship everything the WWE does. I don't like I this don't, at all. I, I don't like this at all. Maybe it works out later, but it, it just cheapens the women, the NXT women's tag team championship, which has been a pretty good, it's been fun to watch those tag teams down there. Um, it was odd that the NXT champions got called up, right? So we knew something was bound to happen because we haven't heard anything about the NXT women's tag team titles basically since they've moved up. So now we kind of know why they were brought up, but they've already lost a match um, against uh, Shayna and Ronda. Um, but I'll say this, you know, you and I both uh, spoke about you know, Rondon and Shayna winning these tag team titles, would they appear every week on television? And we have gotten that over the last so far since they're yeah. winning. So that so far part, that box checks. But at the end of the day, I do not like this at all, unless 
we have a lot of WWE Women's Tag Team Championship matches on television every week. It, it just sort of seems a little weird, like it's going to kind of have a hole in the women's division on NXT. I know they don't have a ton of women's tag teams down there, but it still was a role for a lot of the women who weren't quite ready or at the level of being one-on-one in the NXT Women's Championship picture. So I, we'll we'll see, but I don't like this initially. Uh, Bailey picked up a quick win. So Bailey, Zelina Vega, Becky Lynch, Zoe Stark, and EO Sky are in the Money in, in the Bank match with, I believe, one more still to come. So looking at that field right now, I don't think it's going to be Becky or Zoe because I think they're telling their story together. I think they sort of cancel each other out. They keep each other from winning, and Trish maybe gets involved. I don't think it's going to be Bailey, okay. but I could see EO and that like being part of the story with Bailey. And I actually yeah, could because- see Zelina. Uh, yeah, I, I, I think you and I both, uh, we, we touched on this last week. It feels like we're being told this underdog story again with Zelina, as mm-hmm. we did with Liv. I mean, how fun was Liv's story when she won that briefcase, when she won that match with the briefcase, and then she finally cashed it in? We really were kind of little, the, the cashing in part and the celebration part was a little, you know, wonky, so to speak. But how fun was it to to watch that ride of hers uh, winning the briefcase and then chasing it? And I think they're telling that story here with Zelina. I'm with you. I could see EO because I think it this all but does, you know finishes damage control, right? I, I think this is over. And I thought it was interesting that both of the qualifying matches uh, on SmackDown on the women's side were basically squash matches. Yeah. Uh, Bailey and... Uh, um, uh, who beat uh, Shotzi EO. So yeah, I, I think uh, I, I think uh, EO is it would win it over Bailey. I, I would see Zelina as a, a very interesting uh, candidate going in um, because she's undersized. You know, she's had this good run starting back before the WWE uh, the, the Friday Night SmackDown and the the Saturday pay per view uh, Peacock show in Puerto Rico. Uh, she's been hot ever since, so I, I could definitely uh, see them sticking the briefcase with her. Now they're starting to uh, to tell that story with Bianca. The heel turn is coming because Bianca asked Adam Pierce for a, a rematch against Oscar. He told her that she's going to get a rematch, but following that, he gives Oscar the new WWE Women's Championship, and Charlotte Flair then makes her return and. Pierce told Charlotte that she needs to get in line And then You know uh, Charlotte told Asuka nobody respects her more than Charlotte But she wants the championship She's challenging Asuka And Asuka accepts So now we've got A situation that is going to get Bianca Belair frustrated Because she's going to say How come Charlotte Flair just comes back Gets a title You just told me that I was supposed to be in line for a title And this is going to be something that Gets Bianca upset And what we're going to get here Chad Is we're going to get Bret Hart in 1997 Where (laughs) I love this Because at the beginning of that turn Bret was honestly Getting screwed over And over if you actually remember Bret Was off 
from from WrestleMania of 96 to SummerSlam of 96. He showed back up. That was when there were teases of him actually going to WCW. He was filming the Lonesome Dove show. And uh, so he comes back to WWE and he has that awesome match with Austin at Survivor Series. And then he's supposed to win the title. But they keep, they, they have it on Sid. They're doing weird stuff. Then Brett's supposed to win the Royal Rumble. But Austin screws him in the Royal Rumble. They had that <laughs> set up when he threw Austin out and then Austin snuck back in. So they kept telling that story and Brett would get mad. But in reality, he really was getting screwed over. I think that's what's going to happen to Bianca. She's going to have reasons to keep getting upset, Chad. But yeah. nobody likes a whiner. After you keep whining and whining and whining, we're going to get frustrated and turn on Bianca. And then I think that's that's going to be gold. And you can sort of feel it. And now I'm kind of intrigued with Bianca and Charlotte. They haven't really crossed paths very much, right? No. And I can see a match uh, between those two um, um, before a big title match. And we've been talking about ways how can we get uh, – uh, Bianca to turn hill and when she when she did it would be glorious uh, this is a very good way to do it I think this is the start of it and I like the whining part you know that this is happening for a reason this this is this is going to go on um and she and look and she does have a legitimate complaint that hey look I'm first in line Charlotte just comes back again from having another six months off and, and comes back and she's automatically thrust into the title picture. You know, I was the champion for how long, and I don't get my automatic rematch, and I think she gets frustrated and just uh, starts going berserk, and it's a great way for her to turn heel in a natural way. You know, she don't mean Mm -hmm. to do it, but she's got to do it because this is what the WWE, this is what Adam Pearce, this is what the officials are doing to her. Is causing her uh, to get in the back of the line now. And, hey, you guys didn't respect my long title run? Well, guess what? This is what I'm going to have to do to get it back. And I like it. And I, I think this is – I think the whining part is the seed, and they're doing it for a reason. I think it's going to be a really, really, really good payoff here at the end. They're giving us a lot of overlap from NXT to the main roster now with SmackDown, with Raw. We had Carmelo Hayes and Trick Williams sitting in the – Stands watching and trying to distract Baron Corbin in his match And Butch ends up winning to qualify for the money in the bank And we're going to see Baron Corbin on NXT And we'll talk about him in just a moment What do you think of how they're doing that overall? I mean, Seth Rollins is going to be defending the WWE title (laughs) uh, The World Championship next week Do you like what they're doing with Corbin, with Dana Brooke, with Ali, and with all of this, you know, basically like a third brand, but they're acting like like these worlds now combine, right? They they NXT exists on the main roster. A few months ago, we never knew sometimes if NXT was going to exist on the main roster, right? Uh, I I really really like what they're doing. What I don't like what they're doing is, uh, uh, you know, Butch beat Baron Corbin in what. Less than two minutes. So, and then, so we're supposed to believe just because Baron Corbin's on the main roster, uh, he's supposed to go down and dominate on NXT, which we saw him on Tuesday night. Um, I don't like that aspect of it. Uh, you know, if you're, you're, you're short on time, 
don't kill a match where it's just two minutes. And I don't think that was the issue here. I think that was the plan for, for this match. I just don't think it's you're giving Corbin as much credit. His credibility gets lost. I agree. Then you want us to follow him down on NXT on Tuesday nights and he's supposed to be a big player and he is, and he's beating dragon off and he's doing this and he's supposed to want a title on this. But on Friday nights, he's losing in two minutes. Uh, I, I don't mind. He's losing to butch because Pete Dunn is a hell of a wrestler. Um, I just don't like the way that's happened, but I do like the way they're being used and Seth being, being on there on Tuesday night is, is, is incredible. I, I love that a world champion is going down there and defending a title against a top talent on NXT. So we have a lot that they've been setting up for the next few weeks for SmackDown. We're going to get a tag team gauntlet match with the Brawling Brutes, the OC, the LWO, and the Street Profits. One of them will become the new number one contender. So they're they're setting that up. We have the Grayson Waller effect with Charlotte Flair as the special guest next week. They also have Asuka versus Charlotte set for June 30th, three weeks. And or three from last week's show, so two from when we're talking now, and then on June 23rd, Rhea and Shayna, or excuse me, um, uh, Rhonda and Shayna versus Isla and Alba Fire, the women's tag team title unification match. So, lots set up. They also have AJ and Meechin versus Karrion Cross and Scarlett as a match to come in just sort of overlooking everything, um, Coop. And we can kind of finish with SmackDown and, and head to Raw as we talk about this. And on, in the main event, uh, Austin Theory gets the win over uh, over Jimmy Uso, and and that was because of interference. Pretty deadly's out there. Solo Sokoa's out there. Uh, so lots of bells and whistles. Lots of wonky overbooking there. Just continuing to tell the story. It's a way that Austin Theory can kind of weasel his way out and get the win. The way that I'm looking at everything, though, I think that. Most of these divisions feel pretty good, feel pretty solid about who's facing who there. The one as we move to Raw, like, I don't know who they have set up for Rhea Ripley. (laughs) That's a good point. Because you got Becky and Trish and Zoe sort of in their own world. Now you've got Charlotte and Bianca and Asuka on the other show. You know, two people right now who would be really, really useful— but they're hurt and pregnant. Liv Morgan and Alexa Bliss. Yeah, for sure. You know, like, yeah. you kind of feel that they're not there right now. And I'm, like, looking at the the rosters, like, who is set up for Rhea? Well, and, and it seems like they're kind of they, – they know there's nobody set up. That's why she's been heavily involved with Dom and Cody Rhodes on, on Monday night. It, 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 it's kind of – you know, a little Roman Reigns-esque situation here where you really don't have someone for a title instead of just sticking someone in. Um, you know, we... Because what, Nat- she, she got the... Is, was boohooing again? Do we go back to, to Natalia? She got. No. She just squashed the hell out of Natalia. Right, and then we right? hear from her in the show. Remember, she said, oh, I've got to redefine myself, maybe. I, I don't, I'm just trying to come up with something. I don't know. Because... I don't know. To start Monday Night Raw, Rhea gets her new title now. So this is the normally the moment when a woman would come out and challenge her, right? When you're getting that new title, like who's the next one in line? And we just 
we don't get that. Like Cody interrupts and we we get the build to Cody and Dominic, which is going to be fun. There's going to be so much heat in that match. People loving Cody, <laughs> singing Cody's song. Whoa! And just booing Dominic. But I, um, yeah, I really do wonder. Because... Could you that, do an Alpha Fire or anyone? Or are they they going to keep that as a tag team, those two? Did we get introduced to them? Yeah, and maybe, maybe we get some sort of individuals with them. I mean, just think about the other women on the roster. It's like Candice. Like, I'm just not even sure... Who's around Carmella's, or who, Carmella's pregnant Yeah like who feels at the level Of someone like Like Rhea who you could even challenge Right now I'm not sure This rolled right into Cody versus Miz And Miz has been doing a really good job in the ring lately Like he's raised his His in ring game Cody We forget gets an, about that We forget about how good he really is You know he reminds me a little bit of MJF In that Sure like an MJF will mention it because you you get so used to the shtick yeah, of the Miz, true. you know, and with MJF that you forget when they go in the ring. Like, oh, these guys are definitely better than than expected, or be- better than the the perception they give off. Um, Becky had a promo segment with Zoe. They were interrupted uh, by Chelsea and Sonya, who ended up coming out for their match, and we got Becky versus Chelsea. I just gotta say man like Thinking about this Stopping for a second and it's like You're Chelsea Green you know Six months ago you're Doing really good work on the independence And stuff but right now You're in a match On Monday Night Raw against Becky Lynch You know what I mean like a one on one match on, And it got time It got and it gets, seven or eight minutes Gets time like and she's getting to play a character It's She's on TV Every single week Dude in the last couple months Chelsea and like Sonya but Chelsea in particular They get a ton of TV time This yeah. is exactly yeah. what someone Like a Chelsea Green I don't think she could have even imagined it This quickly it going this well For her And this is how you get a character over Right not when you see them one or two weeks And then it's a month yep. Oh let's follow them to a main event you know, on Friday night and watch two matches on Peacock. That That's just, it's just not done that way. And I, you know, I was a little concerned once Carmella um, had to step away because I think her and Carmelo, Carmella would have been fantastic. Uh, and hey, kudos to Sonya Deville for stepping into this role because this was something, you know, she had been thrown around from being like a manager position to, uh, you know, not being able to wrestle anymore, storyline gimmick, and both of them have done pretty good work. Um, I was hoping one of the, you know, Chelsea was at least in the Money in the Bank match because her character um, would be perfect. You know, it would, would be, be the perfect, most perfect, you know. Um, but yeah, you know, here, you know, seven, eight minute match on Monday night against Becky Lynch is uh, not, not a bad, bad spot to be in. Surprise. No, it's no. Not. And shout out to her, just doing a great job with everything they've given her. And she's uh, we, good on the mic, and she's good on the mic. She, well, that's the thing. Her, the overall package with her, she doesn't really have a weakness. And I think that's why she'll be fine, because solid in the ring, they've already got a character with her, and she's good on the mic. And she can yeah. do it like a heel or a babyface. 
You have to and, be when you're married to Matt Cardona because he, yeah. he, he he cuts promos every time. He cuts five on you. I was going to say, he makes <laughs> you a heel and then he maybe yes. faces you right back right after. Yeah, he does. Like, yeah, he does. Um, and uh, yeah, she she just gets it. You know, like Matt's a smart dude too. And that's the thing. I don't think people give him enough credit for being a smart wrestling mind. He knows what gets over. So the guy you- got him, himself over. Doing the the Z Long Island story, like the true Long yeah, Island yeah. story. And, and she and she is doing a lot of this. If you follow her on social media, she does a lot of these things. Absolutely, uh, same thing. Like she gets stuff. it. So, do you think the women's Money in the Bank winner comes on is Raw or SmackDown side? See, that's a good point because it it feels like it's probably got to be Raw. Just. I mean, I don't know if Rhea gets beat right away. That might be the that might be the concern. Like, you know, you you throw them onto SmackDown, and at least you feel like you can have Oscar lose or Charlotte lose, and it's not as big of a deal. I don't know if you want Rhea to lose right now. Yeah, because so that, most of the time they're they're cash ins after a title match or in a certain situation. You know, we we do see it time to time. Like, hey, so and so's cashing in. He's announced, she's announced, cashing it in for next Saturday at, you know, blah, 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 you know, uh, pay-per-view on the Peacock app. We, we get that from time to time, but what, what makes it more special is when Rhea's just went through a, uh, or someone's just went through a 20 or 30 minute match and they're dead tired and here comes the briefcase. That's what, that's what makes that briefcase so special. Priest. Got that win and that qualified him. We already mentioned uh, Priest. That was a great match. And, and, it, and did you did, going into that match? Did you think he was going over Matt Riddle? I wasn't sure. And then after the match, they tease something with Gunther a little bit, something, and like yeah. they're kind of teasing Priest as possibly a a baby face. So something to keep an eye on. As um, yeah, Natty, you mentioned <laughs> she gets interviewed backstage and she said she doesn't know how to be me anymore. Yeah, I just. Just poor, poor girl, man. I just don't know what we're, you know, maybe she gets repackaged somehow. I mean, I don't know how you could repackage her because she's been around for so long. But as you mentioned, she just basically got squashed by Rhea. So they keep telling the story with um, a lot of the guys in the Money in the Bank, Ricochet, Bronson Reed, and Nakamura. Bronson's not even in the Money in the Bank. We sort of feel like he's going to be at some point because he keeps getting involved in these matches and uh, actually, Nakamura interferes here, so kind of having a little feud with Ricochet and Nakamura, just something to keep them intriguing, leading into the Money in the Bank. And then we uh, we got the Finn Balor Seth Rollins segment where Finn just couldn't even talk. They just they kept singing the song the whole time. Oh, <laughs> and Finn's out there trying to cut his promo, and poor Finn, like. Finn can cut a fine promo in in like the right moment, but he's not like a great promo guy. And he's sitting out there and the crowd keeps messing with him and like it keeps screwing with his timing and when he's going to start and you could tell he's like repeating things over and over and Seth at one point was even like what so what does that mean? You know, Seth had to say something to to try to help him to give him a lifeline. Man, Rollins is over right now. He is freaking over when you have these segments like this where Finn Balor can't even cut a promo. I I have no problem with this match, with this build, with what they're saying. Just why did they do this match in the semifinal right. for the tournament <laughs> just a few weeks ago? Like, just yeah. don't have it done then. 
or have a way where it was in a clean win or something, but you just had Seth beat Finn, and now we're kind of acting like that match didn't even happen. Right. That's yeah, what it's going to happen, and it's going to happen again. Not and it's going to be great. It, the match just, will be great, and Finn will get no cheered, and it'll be fine. But who believes that Finn Balor is going to beat Seth Rollins right now after we he just lost to him like two weeks ago? Clean finish, or does Damian Priest get involved? And maybe that's what happens. Maybe this is a money in the bank thing. Yeah. Right? Maybe yeah. It, it leads to your one of your money in the bank winners afterwards cashing it in. I, again, we don't love everything that WWE throws out there. I don't think this was a positive. I like the match will be fine once it's there. This to me feels like something AEW would do and we would complain about. Why just do something and then do it right again and act like we, we didn't just see Seth beat him clean? Sure. I don't, I'm not a big fan. On that one, Ronda or Shayna picked up a win over uh, Raquel Rodriguez because Ronda helped out. We had a quick win from Chad Gable there, um, so just some quick victories. And then a video about a video of Rhea, but not really talking about anyone or anything. Now, one thing we we've been teasing a lot is that the split up of the Judgment Day. And possibly even someone like a J.D. McDonough being aligned with Finn Balor. Finn Balor trained him. Could you see that being something they do as maybe McDonough gets in the mix in the match, helps Finn win? I don't know. Something like that. I'm just kind of talking it out. You could. You know, it's just. It just it's, Finn doesn't going... feel hot enough right now, though. No. Some... But, and, he's, and he's over. I mean, he's got good heat when he he was. With Damien and, and Rhea, and they're definitely going to it looks like they're going to break that up. Rhea, Rhea and Dom are 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 going to stay together. That that's just money right there. But it, it, it felt like a a uh, a resurgence of sorts for Finn to be involved, and then Damien just took off and started having these incredible matches. Not that Finn didn't, because Finn does, but it kind of leaves him odd man out. And it, and I think we briefly mentioned that a couple of weeks ago. That this was going to happen and he was going to be the odd man out. So he may have somebody with him. I, I, I he definitely keep him on the hillside, I think. Yeah, but. I mean, McDonough would, with him would be a fine pairing. And I could even see them in the tag division. That would, would sort of make sense. I just don't, I just don't think you have Finn win. Now, right now. I know, I know they announced Logan Paul comes back next week on Raw. Is, what, what direction is he headed in? And that's the thing. Does he remember Seth has an open challenge? For the world that title, could be it. that could be Does it. Does he accept the open challenge? Does he say he wants to get in the money in the bank? Does he do, you know, something along those lines? I, I could absolutely see that. Sure, I could. We finished up Raw with the tag team championship match, and it was really good. KO and Sammy oh, versus man. Gunther and Kaiser. So those guys are super underrated in ring. I don't think people give them enough credit because Gunther is so good. But this was a, a really, really solid match. And for a while, we weren't sure. But these guys have elevated the tag team titles now. They get to main event shows all the time. And it, they feel a little bit bigger with Sammy and KO being the tag team champions right now. It, it kind of feels that way. Yeah. Um, one thing we didn't mention, and it, I, it was so short, uh, we probably both looked over it, is you had Shayna Baszler go over Raquel. I don't like that. Pretty quick. In like a roll up. Yeah. Regardless, she gets jumped before or whatever. 
because Raquel was one that we thought could be in position. You know, she's already been there, done that, but I just don't like these, these, I I just, I know. Who who did that do anything for? Neither one of them. Who does it help? That win over Raquel like that doesn't do anything for Shayna. That loss. No, because they're already badasses. They got the belts. They've they've already defended the belts. They're badasses. So what? what it would it be prove? better beating the crap out of Raquel in a DQ. Yes, I yes. would have rather seen that. Like have them the referees calling for the bell. They won't, and they just come in and they're hitting her with a chair or something like that. Like I think that plays better than I agree. Oh, cheating and we roll her up. I just I I don't like that. I think we need to get the tag team titles defended here pretty soon. Completely agree. I love the and, match. I thought it was great. And uh, look, it, it was fine. The crowd was hot into it. Um, when you have two really good hot singles wrestlers in a ta- that hold the belts, it's hard not to put them in singles competition, right? Um, we did see a cool off uh, from both of them, you know, after the bloodline storyline. But maybe this is this is to give them a little more fire. I don't know if they need it, but I would like to see some titles defended. Let's get over to NXT. We kick things off with a six-man tag. This was a really fun match. Wesley, Mustafa Ali, and Tyler Bate get the win over the schism. And Wes, Mustafa, and Tyler are all sort of feuding over the North American Championship. Those guys as a six-man were really good, and I got to give schism some love too. I thought they... Really held up their end of the bargain in this match This was a fun match to start the show Yeah I've crapped on them the last couple of weeks Not that they didn't deserve it But um, uh, we we just uh, We didn't think That uh, th- They were going to be very good in the long run For uh, the, the tag team champions But yeah I, I give credit Where credit's due It was a really good fun hot opener A lot of people got spots in um, This is the way I like to see shows Like NXT AEW to kick off with a good solid opener and uh, they definitely delivered in this match. All of them did. They all had good spots here. Um, it, it, was, it, it, it just sets the tone. If the show gets bad, it wasn't because it was the opener was, was bad. You know, if the opener is bad, you, uh, look, you, you don't have a reason to stay around, right? You're like, eh, that wasn't good. I don't know if I'm invested in two more hours of this. When you have a really fun opener on any show, you're going to stick around for a while. The uh, um, So then they set up for next week, and the next two weeks are NXT Gold Rush. We're going to have some really yeah. good matches set over the next few weeks. One of them is going to be Wesley versus Tyler Bate with the special guest referee, Mustafa Ali. I mean, I just – I like the three of these guys. I think it's a good – it's just a good direction, it feels like, for Mustafa too, and I think good use of all these guys. Yeah, um, uh, the, the question I think we have is, are, are these guys going to, you know, how are they going to do? Are they here to put over talent? We know Baron Corbin wasn't, because we'll get to his match in a little bit. But would it be good to see Ali get a win down here in NXT? Maybe maybe get a hold of a championship? And have I think him, so. I wouldn't you know? mind if he had the NXT North American Championship. Me I neither. wouldn't. Me neither. And I say this as someone who really likes Wes. I'm not saying that I think oh, Wes me too. needs oh, to lose. Incredible. I think that it could be, it would just be okay if it if it was Ali. And I, um, yeah, Wesley has been incredible. Incredible. I thought the, the way that they've been telling the story with Tia Hale 
is yeah. pretty good too. Yeah, she's yeah. getting really over now. Yeah. She's still a little green in the ring. I didn't think the match with Cora was all that fantastic. There was a couple spots that maybe just were off, but she's a really good baby face. The crowd gets behind her. She plays her character really well. She's showing improvement. And I did like the fact that she's adding submissions. She's working on the re- the in-ring part. Um, they're telling the story with Duke and with um, Andre Chase. I feel like he'll be back in the next week or two for her big match. There's a lot happening, and it's it's kind of fun. I, I like everything they're doing with, with Tia and with the whole Chase U story. It feels like it's, it's kind of coming to a nice peak soon. If you have hiccups or some uh, some botches in a match, you can overlook it if the storyline is right. And yep. that's the situation here. We're being told a story. Um, These two girls are 22 and 19 that were wrestling in that match, right? too. Literally and, and two they, of the youngest in the entire company that we see on TV. And and Dana Brooke, yeah, Thea Hill, what, she announced she signed with NXT and was going to become a wrestler, like, right after she graduated high school or whatever it is. It's just crazy. Then Dana Brooke gets involved, and she's going to have a little storyline with Cora Jade. I, I, I think it, it was sure the match could have been a lot better, but we're not talking about Charlotte versus Oscar here. Um, but it was fun because we've got two storylines going. It wasn't a match that just two random people popped out of the blue. Because we have the hell on one side. We have Cora Jade on the other. And I thought it was a perfect placement for this match. This crowd is really into Thea. She's not going to beat Tiffany, but she Dude, will Chase, have a people have been into Chase U since the you know since Chase U became a a real you know, legit university. Yeah, I and just think Chase U has been really really good and really. It's fun been to fun, and yeah. it's going to get Tia over, and this is going to be good for Cora with Dana. The two of them will have a, a little program. All positives. Uh, Seth Rollins popped up on the screen, like and it. he said, "Braun." He said, it doesn't work. It was so funny because he said, you know, it doesn't work this way. You don't just ask for a title shot and get it. But I miss coming to NXT, so I'm going to give it to you anyway. So here he goes. <laughs> and, man, this is a big deal. Um, this is going to be a big deal. Like, I think this is going to get really good ratings for NXT. This is will draw some eyeballs over. Think about this for Seth. Seth has an open challenge on Monday. Tuesday, he's defending against Braun, and he's already got <laughs> – it looks like a, a money in the bank match against Finn set up. I think they're this is what they wanted when they created this title. They wanted the guy like Seth Rollins. Again, I'm going back to my guy Bret Hart. In 1992, when the WWE had like all the steroid uh trial issues and everything happening. So at the end of the year, uh Ric Flair was the champ, and they were gonna put the belt on either Ultimate Warrior or the British Bulldog were a couple of the the choices. Both of them got in trouble for the steroids, and Vince made a total change. He put the belt on Bret Hart, yeah, which nobody saw coming in '92. No Bret was not an established like like that yet, like the main top tier guys, not at all. We were still just coming from Hogan and Savage, and then Bret wins at a house show. <laughs> he beats Ric Flair for the world title at a freaking house show. And and then all of a sudden they play this gimmick with Brett. He takes on all challengers. He starts defending the title against everyone. Virgil, <laughs> Skinner, 
He's defending it against the most random people in the world. But it was everyone that wanted a shot. He was giving it to him, and I think that's what they're doing. Demolition smash. Demolition smash. Everyone. (laughs) Yeah, one at a time. It was. You're you're absolutely right. There was like earthquake. Great though. You know. No, you're right. It was. None of these people deserved a title shot, but they were damn good matches. They were, and they would go. Brett would go 15, 20 minutes with yeah. all of them. Yeah. He had a match with Razor Ramon at the Royal oh, yeah. Rumble. That was really good. So yeah. um, I think, I think that's what they're doing with Rollins right now, and it, it and works you know what, for him. Though, and you, yeah, and you know what though? Going back to that, because I'm not dating you or I, but I, you know, I was a senior in high school in 1992. But when Haku would come out, or Earthquake, or whoever they would send out there. You you really thought for a that second this guy you did has a legitimate chance because Brett wanted out a house show. Why can't Earthquake or Haku or you, you know win the title here? So it, it, it was really really fun. That's I, I miss those days and I do appreciate WWE doing this for this title. And I think regardless if it was going to be Cody, if it's going to be Seth, if it's going to be anybody else, this was the direction they were going in with it, with this title because. Raw has been deprived of a, of its own real true branded world champion uh, for, for a, a couple now. years now. And, yeah, and, and this this is and I, I think Seth was the perfect person to be the first person and the perfect one to do it. Not that I didn't think Cody could do it, but man, look, this is people are people going are, are doing the Seth chant over Seth when he's cutting his own promos, like you said. So it's. Uh, I like that Seth's coming down that, on, on in NXT. Week, oh my yeah, gosh, that, that place that, chanting in that, NXT next week when he comes oh, down. He's going to be off the chart because you know what? A lot of NXT people like Braun Breaker now, so it's going to be a fun match. It's going to be an interesting they crowd. They do. We. Uh, I got to say, the the metaphor group. <laughs> They're growing on me a little bit, they man. Yeah, I like, like Noah Dar. Yeah. The the name is great. We had Aura Mensa versus Nathan Frazier for the Heritage Cup uh, pl- because Noam Dar is hurt. Um, Nathan Frazier actually wins it. So there's a Heritage Cup title change, although Noam Dar actually wasn't even in the match. So I'm sure that this will lead back to him getting another chance. He's got to always be in the mix for this Heritage Cup because he just I, loves it and he makes it feel like it's such a big it's a big deal. I, I, I really like him carrying the trophy around. It Me just too. does something different than a belt, right? You remember getting a little medal in Little League Baseball? Well, it's like the, the diamond ring that, that Dusty you would have in that MJF yeah, hat. You, you get right? a big trophy regardless if you were 0-10 in the season and they gave you that big trophy just for participating. It just means a lot more. I'm not saying it, it overtrumps a belt or anything, but it just looks cool for someone to bring a big-ass trophy around with them and celebrate in the back. I thought I, I think it's fun. I really like this group, I, and, I, and, I, and I like that trophy. So uh, J.C. Jane and Electra Lopez um, look like they may have a – or. JC Jane was talking to Electra, and then they were talking about Lyra, and then Lola comes back. So we're just getting some new women in the mix. It looks like a possibly a connection with Lola and Electra. Von Wagner, man, I'm, I, this is growing on me a little bit too. They're having them do like like movie lines now. Him and and Stone. He's it's always you, man. It's always you. You, I trust you, and it's always gonna be you. And I um. I don't know if I'm going to completely get behind Von Wagner at one point, 
But he's a lot more funny. Like you just sort of laugh at him and are a little more intrigued by him before when this guy would come on our TVs or like just get him the hell out of here. Oh, we'd make fun of him. Yeah, trying to put him over as a monster hill just didn't work. No, and it just didn't. Th- this is at least better. It's kind of giving him some personality here. Yes. Yes. Okay. I like the pairing of Axiom and Scripps together. I, I actually think they could be a fun tag team. I hated, and I hate when they do these two-on-one, one-on-two matches. Again, this is like we were saying with Shayna, and who did this help? Well, we're, we're told that this was supposed to be a monster. Um, Dabakato, is that how you pronounce it? Yeah. And we've seen him squash some people, so why didn't he go over here? I don't understand. If you're going to have him squash people, have him squash some. I don't, like... You you booked yourself into a bad spot because you don't want him squashing Axiom and Scripps because they're actually guys on your roster. They're not like just the random talent that he could beat two or three guys of. So don't just don't book this match. Like book him to look strong against others. Book him to beat these guys one on one and then something. But I just I hate when they do this because again, Dabakato didn't look good. The match goes three minutes. It's not like Axiom and Scripps even look that great. They're two on. They're beating a guy two on one. Yeah, yeah I agree. Could could have been could have been done better here. Now, dude, my favorite part of the whole night, <laughs> freaking stacks, <laughs> looking at the wall of the photos of the NXT people and talking about who it is that got Tony D. This was like the old fashioned police segments they used to do. Yeah, yeah, and I think I'm trying to remember who brought this up because I definitely forgot about it. And if I remember correctly, I, I will definitely give them the props because I did not remember this. But someone said on a podcast that this reminded them 93, 94. Remember Leslie Nielsen? And those oh those, my uh, gosh, the Undertaker, the fake Undertaker, he was looking for the Undertaker. Yes. Someone said that's what this reminded oh, them my of gosh. in a good way. You're right. And, and You're I right. completely forgot about that. That was Co- SummerSlam 94. Like- that was leading that's into it. SummerSlam 94 <laughs> because Taker Taker was buried uh, in the casket match in 94 at the Rumble um, by Yokozuna and all of the guys that – remember there was like 20 people that had to come out to bury him. It yeah, was like Jeff yeah. Jarrett was there. Like um, all of the, the – like all of Mr. Fuji's guys all come out. He gets buried in the casket, and then okay, Chris yeah. Aiken, Wrestling Observer Live. He was a guest on it, and uh, he was talking about it. so props to him because I completely forgot about that. Completely that forgot about great. that. I, I'm You're right. This segment. I'm digging they this were, segment. They said they they went through all of the people that Tony D has feuded with, and and they were like Legato name change. <laughs> to LWO, like that they might have been in like the witness protection program or something yep, like that. Yep. And they did the same thing with Butch, right? They did uh with um with uh Pete Dunn, Butch, right? And he had like another thing. It was really funny. You could tell that whoever was doing this had fun with it. Yeah. And and actually now, I actually don't know if this is stacks. No, they led you to believe it in the beginning. I don't think it is. I would no, be surprised it, if it is, and I would be okay with it, but I, I think it's a debut guy. I think someone that we're not thinking of. And some because what what someone had said, which makes sense to me too, why would Stax cost himself a title shot? Right. 
That's a good like, point. He, that, he, good he's point. costing himself a shot at the tag team <clears throat> champions. And then somebody said that would that'd be totally a TNA storyline, right? That would have been like a back in the day, a TNA storyline where it just doesn't make any sense. That it's like, Booked oh yeah. Right out of the match. Booked yeah, himself call, right out of the match. Took myself right out of the pay-per-view, you know, but uh, <laughs> I'm proving a point here. Uh, we had uh, Anofe and Malik Blade go one-on-one. So the whole story in the tag team division is that all these tag teams were battling against each other, but then they've come together and it looks like we're going to have a, like a number one contenders match. They actually had Hector Garza and Umberto Carrillo come out. So they look like they're going to be inserted into NXT. I think those guys from a tag team standpoint, they're really good in the ring and Carrillo Needs a little bit on the character Dude, Garza yeah. is a great character That guy is good He is really, really good Remember they portrayed him as a, like a lover boy bachelor They were kissing everyone The Los Lotarios Yes, and he he was handing out roses So we know he can. he's good in that um, I, I agree I think this was really good for that division um, I think I, don't Bl- not, I, and, I think Blade and Anofe may win those titles soon and you know what? And I was just about to say, I don't mind when two baby faces go at it and two tag team members go at it. I had no, no problem with this match. I thought it was solid. Yeah. And he, at the end, he says, I know when your birthday is, April 22nd. So I love you. So, uh, hey, <laughs> it feels like the division's getting built up a little bit, and they're going to be in a triple threat next week on Gold Rush. I got to say, we have... Blair Davenport, first off, this was hilarious. Blair Davenport pointing out where she's attacked everybody in the parking lot. She's like, I got her here, Nikita Lyons, Wendy Chu, Sol Ruka, all of them. Um, And now she issues a warning to Roxanne. So Roxanne has a match against Tatum Paxley. She wins. And following the match, Roxanne, for the first time ever, Gives us a little bit of fire here. This is this is like what I want from Roxanne. She wasn't like this at all, even when she was feuding with her best friend Cora. Like right. she's always been. I'm just so happy to be here. I like took the bus to Booker's school, and, <laughs> and that's a true this. story. She did. Yeah, right. Like it is. It's like look at my pony. Look at the the braid in my ponytail and the hair and the, my hair bun and this. You can be a baby face and be squeaky clean, but you still got to have some fire. Like every person, even the nicest people in the world, get frustrated and upset and get triggered, you know? And I I thought this was good. I just like seeing a little bit of fire from her, and she just feels like less boring. When, yeah, when, and I think that's what – I think that's what the big reason why they've kept her down because she's I, I just – literally, she's better than most. In ring, uh, oh by women, far. In, in AC, it's not, and you could tell in this match, but it's I not think even close. That's what they're wanting to do is get a little bit of personality because you don't have a lot of time to work on that. Her, and, well, her uh, and Braun are kind of the same, right? Sure, sure, almost the same. You feel with them because they're both like prodigies, like oh, really good in the ring, he's, really he's young. That know that know the mat, they know the business, they know how to work, they know how to sell. They just got to get the character down a little bit. You know, both of them. And this was a really nice step forward for Roxanne. We had a little uh, tease in the back of Gigi and Fallon. Looks like, you know, they're buddies. Um, Something to keep an eye on there. And uh, maybe a feud with Kiana. 
But they they previewed everything that's going to happen the next couple of weeks. Seth versus Braun for the World Heavyweight Championship next week. Dana Brooke versus Cora Jade. Uh, Briggs and Jensen, Mamaria versus <laughs> Blade and Anofe versus Hank Walker and Tank Ledger. One of them will be the number one contender. Wes Lee versus Tyler Bate with Mustafa Ali as the special guest special ref. Guest referee, yep. And so they got a lot set up. And we had a really good Dragonoff versus Corbin match. And what, what was good about this is they made Dragonoff look strong because he loses due to Braun Breaker. So now you know you can go in a direction where you go Braun versus Dragonoff eventually, but this keeps Baron Corbin strong enough to go face Wesley. You can have a Dragonoff Braun Breaker match following that. And then honestly, like those two guys, they may be done after that, right? Like that yeah. could be one of those matches where they they wrestle and then both go up. Yeah, that's a good point. That's a really good point. Um, it's uh, the Cause, only because do you have do you have Dragonoff interfere in the title match this week to screw Braun out of it, like like what he just did to Dragonoff? Could be. Uh, does that make Seth look weak? That's what I was gonna say. Do you need you know? to do that? You don't need to do that. But, but. but yeah, if he gets a clean win, I, I think. Would you have? How long do you have this match go? Twenty minutes? Twenty? Yeah, I think 30? you go fifteen or twenty at least. Like I think yeah. you go at least fifteen, and you have a really good, good it's match. It's got to be the main event. It's got. I, I, yeah. I know you want a hot start, but this got to be the main event. Now, the only problem I had with the main event on Tuesday night is what we have, what we talk a lot about with AEW. I think, and I understand why they do it. You, you got to get more people on, and at least. The people that were interfering, or you know what they're involved in. It just makes the match seem a little less important than Absolutely. it was. You forget about everything How that happened. How good the match was. Yeah, because you leave with what happened last. And, and that's my problem with AEW, and we're going to talk about that here in a second. Yeah, That was a cluster of a finish. But here, I, I just... It, Man, you took away from a solid match. You did have the big players interfering, but if I, I'm going to talk about this with AEW, you know, week in and week out with this interference, I've got to mention it here. It did take away from the match for me. I was okay with it, but I, I don't know, man. I don't know. It was good though. It was really good. AEW Dynamite opens up with the Eliminator match: MJF versus Adam Cole. Now, the match was awesome. Shout out to Cole. We we haven't seen him really in a match quite like this for a while. I was worried they were going to go to the the concussion angle sure. a couple times, and I'm glad they didn't. I was worried they were going to do that. Oh, the match gets stopped. Adam Cole wasn't 100 percent ready. He shouldn't be. You know, I, I'm glad they didn't do that. The I, and I will say I didn't like the fact that they announced this last week as an eliminator match. All of that. I think they did about the best that they could in this situation. Like, I think Adam Cole looks fine. I don't think he looks bad. It's not like he lost. It was a, it was a, a time limit draw. What was weird about this was they were, they were trying to play as kind of sneaky with this because they didn't really over the top announce that the time limit draw. They weren't doing the check-ins like they used to do. Right. 
in the territories, right? When you knew and there was a 30-minute draw. You have the announcer, you know. Uh, remember 10 minutes, 15 minutes, 20 minutes, 25 minutes. Like, you get the five-minute check-ins. Oh, so Dave Pinder no. used to be great with WCW when you have these these matches with Ric Flair or with Ronnie Garvin. Someone in these matches that were time limits, and Pinzer would just pop that announcement, and you're like, all right, man. We are at the 20-minute mark. Yeah, that's yeah. what I missed here. I'm okay with this finish. I was a little surprised by it because I thought it was definitely going to get wonky with interference. I'm certainly fine with it, but, man, it would have been a lot more over the top if you would have gave us that countdown on the screen. Me too. Completely Just put it agree. on the damn screen the whole time. I, You'd been completely different. Nobody – because I will say when I when I was watching it and it happened, I thought it was like Sean Spears or someone showing up for MJF that was ringing the bell. Like <laughs> I, thought, I thought there was somebody over at the announce table that like rang the bell as a distraction, like as a way to save MJF. So I was confused. Because they weren't telling us enough about the the time limit. Now, so that's my that was my only concern about it. But I will give them positives because for a draw, I still think a lot of people want to, the match was so good, and both of these guys are two of the better characters in AEW, and they do such a good job when you put them in the ring with each other and they have a mic, and they're both really, really good wrestlers too that People want to see this match again. This doesn't feel to me like when they did the punk match with yeah. with uh, with Moxley and they had Moxley squash him, and then they just had the the title match a few weeks later. We're like, what the hell? This this actually feels like it was a good building point in the feud. I just wish they would have executed it a little bit better with the the time limit stuff. That, that's that's well, my only you, complaint on that. Well, as we go through the show, you're going to see multiple, multiple instances where the production side of it is just not very good. And you would think with all the big players that they have in the production, I mean, look, they, they hired a lot of former WWE backstage truck guys uh, to come and do this. So this is not a bunch of first-timers is doing this. My question would to you, Gino, is, is Adam Cole taking this title off of MJF? I'm going to tell you right now my opinion. I'm going to say he he is going to defeat MJF. Do you do you think this happens at the Wembley at the Wembley show? Uh that that if it doesn't happen there, I I, I you're going to wait too long. I agree. You have to do it then. Is, you no. don't want to come back and revisit. Oh, you know, MJF is fighting somebody with a London tie or a UK tie. You understand what you know what I mean? So I, I would say yes. I would say yes I, I think, because if you're going to do a title change, do it in front of your biggest crowd that you've ever been in. You have to do it, I think, right away. I, I, just, to, I could be completely wrong, but I, I think Adam Cole, this is his prize to welcome back that you're our guy. I, I just I think I think this is what they're going to do. Yeah, I don't think you want to wait all that long. Oh, no, um, no, 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 no. I, I don't. Um, in front of a big crowd, so, yeah, I, I, I see him winning it. So all in London – is August the twenty seventh, so the ways the ways. You're two you're months about, away. Two um, months away. But keep in mind, they're they've got the Forbidden Door show and that we they're find out. We find out basically MJF said he no, he's not going to work. He's not going to face uh, Tanahashi now. Yeah, I I will say this year, and, and and this is what's what's really difficult. What AEW is doing right now is they've got Collision coming up this weekend on Saturday, 
and the return of CM Punk. So they're, you know, they're talking about that. They're building yeah, we had to a that promo, right? We had a vignette. We we didn't have him live in in house, right? And and this was right after this. So it, yep, we vignette airs on Punk. It shows his win, shows the rehab. He says he's coming back to AEW. He has scores to settle. There's some still still some things he needs to do. June 17th, he's going to be at the United Center. He doesn't know what he's going to say until he has the microphone in his hand, but he has a lot of things to get off his chest. Sure. Okay, so they they promoted that Punk's going to have a match. Punk's going to cut a promo. This is where it gets tricky. Yeah. He's got to mention something about what happened, right? Something. You have to. Like, you have to. He can't act like nothing happened or just that he got hurt. He doesn't have to come out and go through every single thing that went down, but – if they don't bring, if they don't draw attention to this on TV in some way, shape, or form, it is going to do a lot of damage for people that aren't as hardcore of fans. Like we've said, how do you have a main character coming back from TV? Are they going to tell us on Saturday, okay, Punk is only going to be on Saturdays now? Are they going to tell us he's going to be on Wednesday? What I, is he going to be at Forbidden Door? I don't know. I, and are they going to clarify those things? Because you know that after Saturday, people see Punk, they're going to expect him to be there on Wednesday. Sure. So sure. that's what I'm worried about now is how are they going to address this? Because <laughs> Saturday is going to be great. Punk's going to go out there. People are going to love it. He's in Chicago. There's going to be a lot of energy because it's a new show. They're going to get a good rating because people are going to tune in. They're interested. There's nothing going on in sports right now. Like, you know. And for the next month or two, and so it'll be a real positive. But then what? Like, is CM Punk going to be battling for the the championship again at some point? Shouldn't he? Shouldn't he come back right now and say, "Don't I get a match for the title? Didn't the title get stripped from him because of an injury?" Yeah, and you know, you know, I mean? know like, what? Because these you're are all get... things that need to be somehow addressed. And you're going to have probably. Um, the highest rated collision show as we move forward. The first 100%. Is, is usually the best. And if you want that to carry over to Wednesday night, and yeah, look, they've been popping around 900,000 again. But at the end of the day, that's not the number you want. You want the big 1 million. That, I, I, 980 ain't going to do it, 990. If you want to get up to that 1 million, there's no, there's no NBA now. Um, you're going up against summertime baseball. So... I, you know, you got to find a way to work things out. And I'm not saying he has to be on every week, but if you want the following Wednesday to pop, Punk needs to be on there. And it needs to be on there in a meaningful way. So, because last night's a vignette, Wednesday night was a video. So, and it's I, funny. Didn't he look and feel and sound a lot different than the guy that came in a year? Like, I don't know what he's going to say. And I think Wade Keller said this like, he could have been just. That could have been a really good job by Punk because I was watching that like, man, I don't know if I'd want to give him a microphone. You know, like I, I was thinking that. And and that's a good job by Punk for selling me on it, right? Selling me on what he could say. But he did look and his energy was so much different than that first night he came out when he was like, remember we talked about it. He was happy-go-lucky like. The old man CM Punk, I'm just here to make everybody happy. And oh, that was terrible. It was terrible. It was terrible. It was just, just, just terrible. And I and looking back on that now, was he just being an ass about that? I know. 
was he just like laying it on thick or was yeah. there like a real honeymoon moment for him and, and that could be it and that right? could be there, it that there could have be been it. a real uh, first few weeks or a month where everybody all of those people on the roster were so excited that he came in because they knew it was going to be good for them and then as far as just more eyeballs on them and then all of a sudden when he's back there making starting to make some demands he the energy's a little bit different when he starts saying oh no you don't do it that way i do it this way <laughs> and you could tell that whether or not you like omega and the bucks and those guys i don't think i think they're good dudes backstage they all feel like sure. they're like a really good group of friends who aren't burying guys right they're not putting and and sometimes even to their detriment like they're not putting themselves over a lot like the Bucks and Omega. That's been one of the, the the biggest issues with AEW. Cody came in right away and couldn't even fight for the title. And <laughs> and we've like we've wondered why you have perhaps a guy in the last 5 years who has been talked about as the greatest wrestler in the world and you have never even had him be like your singles babyface star. Kenny Omega, right. like never. Yeah. He had a heel well, one as a chance. Gino, this definitely is going to, I mean, this is it. Uh, there's not going to be a third time's a charm. If, no, if no. This, if this can't work and, and it doesn't work, this is going This is going to be AEW's, this is what they're going to be remembered by for a while, is not being able to make CM Punk work not only once, but twice. And you've created, I don't care what they say. Yeah, there was talk two years ago or when they first started. Yeah, we're going to get more time. Sure, they always say that because it sounds good. You're announcing this big merger and everything's supposed to be happy. So sure, we're going to get 10 hours of programming. This was created for CM Punk. It was. Absolutely. It was. 100%. And if he if he's not there every week, there's not going to be interest in this show, number no. one. No. And number two does and, – and I'm just asking this out loud. Is this going to help Dynamite? Because we haven't seen Rampage help Dynamite. And and what's crazy is as they're going off the show on Wednesday, which was nuts. I mean, way too much is happening. Excalibur didn't even plug anything for Rampage, except he said at the very end, Will Ospreay is going to wrestle on Rampage. And that's it. They're down to not even plugging Rampage anymore. So that was yeah. a show that was supposed to be a big deal. Remember, who was on the first episode of Rampage? CM Punk. <laughs> sure. You know what I mean? Doesn't you get a strange feeling of deja vu here? You, you know, like, does he start out with this show? Is it really hot? Are you? Is he ever going to be able to come back to Wednesdays? Is he going to be able to wrestle other pay-per-views? If he does, then what ends up happening is Saturday become like the short end of the stick too. And is now all of a sudden, okay, you have Wednesday and then you've got like Friday and Saturday that were basically like dark and elevation now. And you've got two hours. This, uh, it, for the most part, for a while, it's going to be live. Yeah. So you've got two hours, and and you've got a couple. You've got a couple of months to figure this out before football, football. takes over. Because if you don't have it figured out, and you don't have a consistent in the next two seven to eight weeks, two months, you are in oh, serious well, trouble. Yeah. Because you might as well put it at three o'clock in the morning, Chad Cooper. Because come seven o'clock Eastern time. That's when the that whole row of games goes. They all start usually, at seven yeah, or eight. It, yes, it's that one FTC, on ABC, NBC. Yeah. You got you got Notre Dame on one of them. You've got 
USC probably on the other now because USC is good again. You've got Texas on one of the others, and you've got LSU, LSU. or Alabama on CBS. You know sure. what I mean? Like, yeah, you're, and that's those are only the big, big conferences. Not sure. even talking about what's happened on ESPN two and FS and some <laughs> of the other ones. Like, so you you got to do it. I'm yeah, they got to figure it out. And I'm not saying that it can't be done. It just it hasn't been done yet with what they've done. And they, what do they, you do? Do you do you do you put a new set of champions on there? I don't think so. That I don't think that's what it's looking like. No, and, and don't like, we don't we have a tag team or don't you, you have the AEW tag champions in that first match, right? So and then you, I don't you don't want to come out and say belts. And you don't want to come out and say something like CM Punk will only be wrestling on Wednesday or on Saturday, but oh, then you, no, you, you no, don't want to no, no. say the opposite. You don't want to say, well, he won't be on Wednesday, but he'll only be on Saturday. But then at the same time, you want to make sure people understand what's going on because they're going to get confused after a few weeks. I do think this Saturday, next Wednesday, probably the next couple of shows will all have good ratings while people are trying to figure it out. Well, you know what? Somebody brought up a good point. When when does it start? The the dynamite uh, fans start comparing ratings to the collision uh, fans. You know, they yeah. start battling it out because if Punk's only going to be on Saturdays, you're going to have you're going to have a couple of roster names that are only going to work this Saturday show. And uh, I, yeah, they're they're in a they better get it right. You've got a couple of months to get it right because I tell you what, you, you've got a a Hall of Fame football game for NFL that that's about a month away. And then once you get into August, I mean, it's rocking and rolling time. So they better figure it out in a hurry. They, they, they've got about six to eight weeks to figure it out. Punk this Saturday. We'll definitely talk about it next week and see what this first one looks like a little bit. And we'll kind of get a feel for it. But yeah, I mean, that's, I don't even know if this is going to be a show. Like we said, with rampage, we talked about the first one or two, and then it became so unimportant that, it, it wasn't worth it. I'm I'm really curious to to what's going to happen here. We move along to Sammy Guevara coming out for an interview. They are trying so hard to make this guy a babyface, and he just isn't that likable. It's it's unfortunate. Like he he it's kind of Seth Rollins, but Rollins is in a way better spot now. Is that Sammy wrestles like a babyface, fantastic in ring, but. His character is like whiny and smarmy and you like you don't really believe him and they had to have Darby come out to try to have the crowd cheer for him. (laughs) Darby comes out and he goes, listen to the people cheering for you. And like nobody's cheering. No. Five people are cheering. Um, Uh So they, they end up leading to. Which was a cool moment, uh, uh, Jericho and Sting in the ring again, uh, standing next to each other, and they've never been in the ring together. How nuts is that? Yeah, I I found that interesting, too. And there was a cool little spot where Jericho pokes the bat at Sting, and then Sting pokes the bat back at him. Um, What do you – so how do you think this is going to go? Do you think at the Uh, end we're going to have Sammy as a baby face? Do you think he's going to end up just being back a heel with Jericho? I don't – I don't know, man. I I just if he goes babyface, does he get lost in the shuffle? Yeah. If he goes heel, uh, what difference does it make? Uh, they're they're in a spot with this guy that really, you know, do they know what they're? I, I don't know. This is 
I don't know. It just seems like Jericho gets involved in everything these days now. Guy's like 51, 52 years old and just he's in every feud for some reason. But, uh, you know, again, I think you're at a point that may make or break this guy. You know, Sammy Guevara. Sammy's in a real is just his persona is just not come through and connected with with wrestling fans. Can you put it all together? Sting and Darby and what a weird match that was. It was Sting, Darby Allen, Orange Cassidy, and Keith Lee who ended up beating Swerve. Spots that were just terrible in that match. And now the problem is, is like Swerve felt like a legitimate guy who could be a top heel in your company. And now, now what do you like? Now where is he? He's in with a group. You put Brian Cage in like three or four different groups, and now he's losing to Orange Cassidy multiple times. So where, like, where is Swerve on the, like, on the hierarchy? Not, not great. Man, and I, I tell you, and I'm not gonna, not gonna speak too much on this, but Keith Lee just looks does not look like Keith Lee from years ago. He, he posted a picture. Uh, somebody posted the picture the other day where it was the. It was the graphic of this match. You know, it was it was showing that this match was going to be on Wednesday. They said, "Why is Keith Lee look way older than Sting and Jericho?" <laughs> and you know what? That, that's a good point because he did. He does. He did. Just he just it's not something's not right. And it's a bummer because it's a it's physically he just hasn't been in, in the same sort of shape and. I don't know if it's his fault. We talked about months ago, years ago, he had really bad COVID uh, sure. issues and like heart problems and stuff. And maybe that's a thing. Like he just can't train and get to the same level that he could before. But it's unfortunate because when we watch Keith Lee a few years ago, stand next to Brock Lesnar in the ring and we watch Keith Lee with guys like Randy Orton and have big moments and big matches. And he just does, doesn't even feel like a shell of that guy. Um, right here, the the guns are fine. You know, they have a little interview backstage. They mention uh, they call out the Hardys. They said that they're the they're the best brother team. <laughs> okay. I, thought was, I thought that was I thought that was funny. Actually, it was pretty line. funny. And they challenged them, the Hardys to a match next week. So, um, yeah, that that it was fine. It didn't it didn't bother me any. Wardlow picks up the win over Jake Hager. It's fine. I just, I, I think he was one of those guys that they really got hurt with. He was so over. He was so yeah. hot. They had him squash MJF. He squashed <laughs> MJF on a pay-per-view. And following that, we've just had him start, stop. We've had him lose. We have him uh, aligned with Arn Anderson. And after he wins, Christian and Luchasaurus are on the big screen. And they've bloodied Arn Anderson. I... I like spit out my drink. I was sipping a Coke or something. I literally spit it out when Tony Schiavone was like, oh my God, he was bludgeoned in the head. <laughs> Freaking Schiavone was trying to sell it. Like Arn Anderson just got hit with a sledgehammer in the head. And I'm like, Schiavone, come on, come man. Come on, Tony. But I, I love Tony and it just made me laugh. He said, he got bludgeoned in the head, and I just started laughing. <laughs> it was, it was great. Um, yeah. So, uh, Tanahashi, he called out MJF. I will give them credit for this. Yes. Yes. This year, they're building to this show way better than they did last year. 
Um, we're just even if it's little things like this where you're getting guys to cut a promo. Um, as far as like the three or four matches so far, the the uh, Brian Daniel Bryan and Okada, they've had little promos that they cut back and forth. That's been solid. They did the same thing with um, Will Osprey and Kenny Omega. They have a, a feud built, so this match actually feels like more of a like a feud. And I I like what they've done with Tanahashi and MJF. They're already building a little something between the two of them. So at least a few of the matches feel that way. But then they have other other ones like Jungle Boy just basically says, "Oh yeah, I'm wrestling Okada for the uh, yeah yeah for the eight uh, for the IWGP." World heavyweight title. And didn't didn't Hook get pissed off or there was some yeah. little deal? So you know something's about to happen. Jungle there. Boy's about to turn heel yeah. soon, I think. And, because, I, and I think you need I think he needs that. I think yeah, I he, really do. He said, um, you know, I I'm I said I wanted to win uh the title this year, so I'm gonna do it and I'm gonna go get the IWGP heavyweight title. I'm accepting the challenge with Okada. And then he looks over to Hook and he says, Hook, you're my best friend which Jeez, is just the, the, as soon like as you your girlfriend's name on your arm right it's, got, it's not gonna end well no nope, best friend's line is not gonna end well you lay it on <laughs> thick chad when i come up to you and i put my Ooh. arm around you and i say this guy right here is my best friend you just okay, get ready who's to replacing me who's with replacing me I was going to say, me on the podcast. <laughs> somebody's got a chair right behind you, and they're about to hit you over the head with it. And you are, you are about to go down, my friend, because oh, it's so funny when you hear Jungle Boy saying it. And he, he's, you're my best friend. So I think, I think what happens is he'll lose, and then I could see Jungle Boy going after Hook's meaningless title because he just yeah, wants FTW the title. or whatever it's called. Yeah, yeah. And actually, those two guys would actually have a. A fun match like it would be kind of intriguing and i'm and if him if the title's eluding him uh, at least the singles title because he's held the tag team yeah it would be a cheesy little belt for to be for him to be like a cheesy and he would with this title and act like it's more important than what it is and it actually would put this title over more i think so too and you know what i think for a lot of character a lot of wrestlers they talk about how it's so much easier to be a heel than a baby face. You know, like it's so easy to go out there and just to talk trash and to just badmouth the audience. Like it's hard sometimes to get cheered because you say things sure. that are good and that are honest and people don't want to cheer that. People don't want to cheer the good guy. You know, like they don't like cheering the squeaky clean good guy. But if Jungle Boy can go out have a title over his arm, talk about how it's like the most important title that he like screw all the fans. I think that he could really find his footing. It'll, it reminded me a little bit of Roman Reigns. Roman sure. Reigns couldn't do it as a baby face. Look how incredible he is right now. And it, it, I think it will help jungle boy just being a heel, just getting, getting to be, to, to talk some shit to the fans a little bit. Like, I think that'll help get his confidence up a bit. We, um, we also had Renee backstage with Orange Cassidy. This one was a little bizarre. So I actually <laughs> like Orange Cassidy's shtick now um, where he's like, Renee, this is the part where I say that I don't have anybody to challenge and then somebody walks in and interrupts me right now and we have a, a challenger. <laughs> and then, <laughs> so I like that. Like they're playing into that. 
And I actually like Zack Sabre Jr. He's really, really good. And him and Orange Cassidy should be fun. But why couldn't that have just been it right there? No, we got to set up a tag match, Gino. But like, that's, that's what I mean. Like, you see, I thought that was positive. So please don't tell me I think everything is negative because I thought that was positive. Why couldn't we just stop there? When they go the next route and then all of a sudden Daniel Garcia comes in and he says, oh, yeah, hey, by the way, um, the pure Shibata's got the pure championship. He's your friend, Orange Cassidy. Where's Shibata? What's going on? I want to challenge him. And Orange Cassidy says, okay, well, next week we'll have a tag match. So now we've had all this good work with Cassidy in these single matches for title matches. Then we're going to do something like this. I just, I don't like that. I don't think it's needed. It just feels like a little too much. You have a one story that you're telling in Tony storm versus sky blue was next. This was better than I thought it would be. And you know what? Sky blue is over. She, they like her as a baby face. Chad, they really well, do. She, she, she's had a, she's had a good. If you, if you didn't follow Sky Blue before this, she's had a pretty good run in the Indies, and she's mm-hmm. relatively young too. Um, Have you heard I, the story about her? The funny uh, story when she was young about what she did. So apparently, now I say this as someone, I'm, I'm Catholic. I went to Catholic school my whole life growing up, from uh, kindergarten at St. Luke's all the way to my senior year at LaSalle High School, which was a Catholic high school, and uh, I was an altar boy. When when you're, I think, in third grade, fourth grade, you start becoming an altar boy or altar girl. Apparently, when she was young, she was an altar girl, and she lit the neck, the other altar boy on fire. This story oh. I've heard in, like, three different places. When In real life, Sky Blue, when she was young, she was, like, a really feisty young girl who got in trouble. She lit a dude, the other kid, on fire. During oh, in the bro. middle of church, during like the mass, and then they had to get. And I guess so. She's gotten herself in trouble, which I thought was the funniest story in the world because she's <laughs> she's like a the sweetest looking baby face. And I'm like, what? She lit someone on fire? That's pretty crazy. So uh, <laughs> shout out to that because um, I I had to I had to make mention of that. But I was really surprised how how over. She was here, and I think this is good for AEW to to find more women in the division that they feel like they can build around. I think her and Willow are both now women that are getting themselves over a little bit more. Um, so yeah, that and, leads to a tag match on Saturday, correct? Yeah, correct. and I like Tony's look right now too. I think Tony's yeah. sort of she's yeah. really kind of figuring out as a as the heel women's champ right now. So. Shout out to Tony. I thought that was good. I thought that women's match was uh was solid as we get to the main event. The and main they event. Go- what, well, before the match even happens, what do you think about the Bucks' outfits? <laughs> were they the Macho Man cosplays? I, I don't think they know were. What was going on here? They, I think they were. I think Macho Man's worn this exact like scheme sometime back in the day. But oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. Um, yeah, they're out there and <laughs> the match was solid as you would expect from these guys, uh, the young bucks and hangman get the win over Moxley Wheeler, Wheeler and, uh, and Claudio Castanoli, but following the match, there's four minutes left in the show and oh my goodness, 
<laughs> We've got the Black Fool Combat Club. They come out and they attack the Bucks and Hangman. So we've already got a bunch of people out there. Then Eddie's Kingston's music hits. Who's that? He comes he remember, out. he was leaving. He quit AEW. He's leaving forever. He's back. We haven't heard him in a while. In him and Claudio have a like a standoff. So then Takeshita music hits. He comes out and takes out Kingston from behind. Then Kenny Omega's music hits. He comes out and him and Takeshita battle. And then Will Osprey comes out and attacks Omega in Got it. Four minutes. So here's my problem with with this stuff. Was it kind of fun and cool as it's all happening? Like, oh my gosh, another one's coming out, another one's coming out, and it's crazy. The problem is though, time the show ends, you don't even remember that Eddie Kingston, Takeshta, and Kenny Omega just came out. The only thing you're really remembering is Will Ospreay, who I'll give him credit. I thought Will Ospreay looked like a star. He looked like he was important and he was getting a, like a, a good heel reaction from the crowd. I forgot about everything else that happened before that. I don't, I don't understand. And maybe with Collision now, it'll be different. But why they feel the need to jam so much into such little spaces. Like they can just tell the stories a little bit better. Let things breathe a little bit more. Yeah, this was... This was a, a bummer and frustrating at the end because the match was good. I like a lot of these guys. It's just, oh, Eddie Kingston feels like nothing now. Like, you don't even remember no. him oh, coming no. back at all. Well, no, I, I think the last promo, we we heard he was leaving. A, he was tired of AEW. He was taking his ball and either going to Ring of Honor or he was going to New Japan or he was going to go do something, and he just pops up. After all of that, the biggest issue I have is the production of it, the camera cuts. I was looking at feet. I was looking at Moxley telling someone, uh, hey, th- this is our next move. And it wasn't a plan of attack. It was calling a move. It was done so poorly. People make fun of the WWE camera cuts. And yeah, they zoom in and out. And that's one thing that that bothers me when chaos it, ensues, that we have the old WWE camera zoom in and out and makes it look like. You're trying to be on a virtual reality ride at Disney World or Disneyland or, uh, you know, something like that. But this was really, really Bush League to watch feet for seconds. Um, you know, maybe it was a little bit different on, on your feed because they have a little time to correct that, Gino. But I, I was getting half of bodies being cut off when they were brawling. And it was just not in the fair So in, in, in the background. Here's here's the thing like you were mentioning. In the background, you see John Moxley go over to the Young Bucks and whisper something to yes. them. And it was these guys are on to totally separate teams. They were against yeah. each other in the main event. They're supposed to be in this blood feud. And you see Moxley walk over and whisper something to them, basically saying, like, oh, I'm gonna go in the ring and have a standoff with Claudio, and then you guys come in and we'll pull him yes. apart. He was calling spots. And it's yeah. like, how do you show that? Yeah, it was brutal. That that was that that was, you know, it's, if all the, the the craziness, and then you just don't have the right production and the right people calling it. And again, what we just talked about with 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 NXT matches ending, uh, you, you're ruining a, a good match. We remember 
the last thing that was on that show. And that's what you see is a bunch of just crazy cuts that just just very elementary and it didn't have to be. The thing about it is, Chad, I'm not saying that this is easy either, right? Producing live TV is very difficult. Producing any kind of TV, the best of the best of the best, there was a freaking Starbucks coffee cup in Game of Thrones. <laughs> but in an, but in, a, in a shot. On the other side of that, don't put yourself in that position Ex- to have that's, this many errors. And this, this is hundred. That's exactly where I was going to go. It's that it's not easy for the best of the best of the best. Everyone makes mistakes, even the tip top production. So why do you put yourself in a situation where you're trying to do a million things? Wouldn't it be better to just play it more simple? Or just I play don't... it safe. Just have them all in the ring at one time. The old WWE thing. They're all in Yeah, the they ring. all have the standoff. It doesn't just throw them over the top rope, you know? I can just... tell you this, my I can tell you this. Uh, I can tell you somebody who's doing all the right things, brother. I am so upset that the NBA finals are over because, because you were nailing it no, no, on thrive no, no, no. fantasy. Not me, not me. I mean, I was because I got great advice from, you know, who, I mean, we you had a good, guys. we I had look, a good run. I will tell you, cow, my, look, it, look from the semifinals, the Lakers and nuggets, uh, you know, all the way up to, to game, what five, Y'all were on an incredible run, dude. Incredible. If you gave out five or six bets a day, at worst, you miss one or two. My favorite thing to bet is the NBA playoffs. Um, It's because, you you know, the way that the series go, like, every couple days, you can really get a sense of, like, they pl- this guy played well. Now they're going to make a, an adjustment and go back the other way. You know, like, if you're watching every game and following along, you really can feel like it, it – like, and it, it happens more in the NBA than it does in other sports where it's like you have the good game and then, you know, the bad game's coming. And then, you know, the good one's coming the next one. Or then there's sometimes where certain matchups, you just know they can't stop that guy. There's nothing they can do. It doesn't matter. They can do anything. It's it's my favorite thing to bet. And I'm glad you were able to uh, to have some success <laughs> this year. And shout out to Eric. He did a really – oh, yeah. he's awesome, man. Eric, uh, he had a really great year uh, again too. And Koopa Loop will have some collision. Koopa. To discuss next week, we'll talk some collision. We'll talk what's new with AEW with the new show with CM Punk. We'll talk about everything going on in WWE on the road to Money in the Bank. NXT has some gold rush shows. Seth Rollins will be defending the title on Tuesday night. A lot going on, Coop. A lot going on. Hey, let Milo stay up past his bedtime so he can watch uh, Seth Rollins and Braun Breaker. Milo will be watching on Tuesday with me. <laughs> we'll have some popcorn. He's actually a fan of the ice cream now, so I got to go get ice cream from freaking Cold go. Stone every there night. Freaking ice cream. <laughs> so, Koopa Loop, we're going to follow you on Twitter and on Instagram, at the Chad Cooper. Thank you so much, buddy. I hope you have a fantastic weekend. Have a good weekend, Gino. Thanks so much, folks. We'll talk to you again next week here on This Week in Wrestling with Chad Cooper. And that's going to do it for this episode of That's What G Said Podcast. Hope everyone has a nice weekend. Good luck with all of your plays. Big thanks to Chad Coop, Koopaloop, for helping us out. So in the coming weeks, we'll have uh, some NFL divisional previews. Eric will join us. We'll start talking NFL team futures, over-unders, totals. We will get into Secret Invasion. That's the next Marvel MCU TV show that actually kicks off coming up this week. 
and uh, we'll continue on checking in with everything going on in the world of horse racing, everything happening in baseball, and uh, yeah, it'll be a lot of fun as we get closer and closer to football all through the summer. We'll continue on with wrestling. We'll have the old wrestling rewatch coming soon again. Thanks so much for hanging out with us here, folks. Good luck this weekend.